All right, welcome everybody to episode 101 of the Collector Cast. Uh, we're going to start on next century, guys. It's, it's time to kick it off right. Uh, it's the the age of Aquarius of the Collector Cast. <laughs> the so. dawning. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I want to start, uh, as I always, with some appreciation. So uh, shout outs to our patrons. Uh, we've got Rolly Fingers, Engineer Mike Wimster, Zofar. Uh, Pam, Eric, Escapade, and T- Tony, our, our most recent joiner. And uh, Kelsey, it's, uh, speaking of Tony, uh, you've uh, you've been doing some stuff with Tony. So what's going on? Uh, we get to hang out online last night and uh, play some Zelda Triforce Heroes on the 3DS and chat on the Discord for a bit. So it was him and, and another buddy of his uh, and myself. Did the, the three players on the Triforce Heroes and played through uh, probably six or seven areas in that game. And I'd never so played what it. Do you, I've never played it. So, what did you think? Uh, it's neat. It's like, a, it kind of reminds me of uh, like the old um, Lost Vikings games uh, where it's like a puzzle. Like, you got to figure out and use all three of you to get through each stage. So sometimes you'd have to like stack each other on top of your heads or you'd have to have two people hitting two targets at the same time. Or um, like some of the later levels we're getting into each character would have a different weapon. So one would have a bow, one would have a bomb, one would have like a, a water staff that could like raise the water level up and you could use it to get to different areas. And so you'd all have to work in tandem to get through the levels because you couldn't do them by yourself. You had to, had to have two buddies kind of work your way through it it's like uh is it four players like four swords it is three players specifically not four and it like four swords it kind of has that competitive element to it where it's like oh, i'm gonna get the most rupees and i'm gonna get to the end first this one's very cooperative there's no there's no like trying to screw over your teammates you all share a life meter so if you have like eight hearts if one of you gets hit and he's across the screen you all lose that heart so it can be easy to die on, on bosses and stuff, especially um, even if you're playing really well, if, if someone else makes a mistake. Uh, so, you, yeah, you can't let the team down in, like, any way. you gotta got to collect those hearts for everybody and try not to take damage, and you've always got to pay attention to what your teammates are doing so you can get through the stages. Uh, it was fun. We had a good time. We had a few connection awesome. issue drops, which we weren't sure if they were 3DS-related or personal internet related <laughs> I can't imagine yeah. Uh, yeah we played for about an hour and a half I think and had a good time it was good to get to know Tony a little bit cool well, very awesome so uh, what else is going on in uh, the uh, the great not so white white north uh, well that kind of gave me the Zelda bug so I put in uh, Link Between Worlds today as well which I haven't played yet and I've always heard oh, really cool. good things about. So I'm, I did the first dungeon, and I love Link to the Past, and it's got that same map, but like, it's like I don't I don't know how long it is later, but it seems like a few generations since Link to the Past has happened. Um, so everything's kind of familiar, but then things are you know slightly different after that amount of time. So it's kind of cool to revisit it, but with like a twist on everything. Uh, seems good so far. Um, I played through both versions of Metroid 2, the the Game Boy one and the 3DS remake, like back to back, like one day after another, which was so. What's experience. the up and up and down on that then? So two on the Game Boy, 
It was very weird. Very linear for a Metroid game. Um, like when you got a new weapon, it wouldn't open up new areas anywhere. Like you'd just keep going forward kind of thing and it would just help you kill bad guys easier. Uh, which was interesting. Um, the boss fights, there's a lot of them because you're trying to like hunt down like 30 or something Metroids. And they're, they're really boring. And then later on they get not fun. <laughs> they're like frustrating. Um, so finish that. You know, it's fine. I didn't, didn't love it. And then the 2 remake on the 3DS is weird to even call it a remake because it's totally unrecognizable as Metroid 2. It's very, very different. Uh, but it reminds kind of like a reimagining, is that the idea? Not even. Like, it's like we have new weapons. Uh, it's, you know, three times as long. Uh, we have more of the Metroid uh, layouts. Like, once you get new weapons, you're going to go back to old areas and unlock different things. Um, they added a whole bunch of bosses in it that don't exist in the other one. Um, it was incredibly different. Uh, it kind of reminded me of Dread, which I played earlier this year. Too, they're they're pretty similar those two games. Uh, but it was okay. I I still like uh, probably Super Metroid. I think is probably still my favorite. This one wouldn't wouldn't crack my top three. I don't think. All right. Yeah. Um, my buddy that I used to play Shimigami stuff with, uh, we picked up Digital Devil Saga two because uh, we finished the first one last year and we've been just playing some smaller buffer games in between before starting another big RPG and man we're loving it so far it's really really cool game uh, the music is so interesting good and the last game I'm, I'm going to do big Digital Devil Saga story spoiler so if anyone cares about that which I doubt you do but if you do maybe skip ahead two minutes uh, so at the end of the first game, so this first of all, the two games are meant to be one story, um, so they take place immediately after another. So at the end of the first game, you're you're fighting these other tribes in what's called the junkyard, uh, and the winner of this like contest uh, gets to go to Nirvana, and they never really tell you what that means. Just that like you get to ascend, and and you're always fighting like godlike beings and stuff. So you finish that game, and you ascend to Nirvana. And that's the end of game one. You, d you don't really know what happened to your characters. And so the start of two, they're in this like really grungy, rundown like ghetto, and you're trying to figure out like what, like what happened. Like, is this supposed to be Nirvana? Is this like a prequel? Like, what's happening? And then so you find out pretty early that all of your characters from the first game were digital AIs that were just in like a training program. And by going through Nirvana, you've actually become physical beings in the real world. And it's like a post-apocalyptic world where they were using all these AIs to like test uh, different theories about how to defeat demons and things. Mm -hmm. So we're like physical AIs now that aren't supposed to exist. And we're trying to figure out how we actually got brought into this world and uh, save a couple of our buddies that uh, aren't with our party anymore. It's kind of neat. Sounds like you're like, like, can you send me back? I mean, this, like, this place sucks. <laughs> Uh, the other place sucks too. <laughs> they, they oh, suck okay. yeah. Digital devils. I mean, you know, yeah. what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You do. <laughs> um, and I've played a ton of Elden Ring this week. Like yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah, uh, just today we we made some good progress too. Um, so my so, son, uh, what's I wanted this game. You gotta give me the update. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so I got it for him, and we started on. Sunday, I think it was. 
but like we we used to sit down every once in a while and dig into a game together and we haven't done that in a really long time so i told i asked him like what do you want to play he said elden ring i said if you keep your grades up we'll do that so he did got in the game and so the first night we actually played until f- like 4 30 in the morning uh which we've like i don't do that ever anymore but we like we were starting to lose energy at like three so i'm like we're going on a mcdonald's run same thing i haven't done that since i was like 20 drove to mcdonald's at three in the morning hit the drive through got to pick me up came home played some more uh i only slept for like three hours because i'm I'm, i always get up early so it's that good playing again with them so we we put in like probably i don't know more than 12 hours in a 24-hour period um, so yeah, we've unlocked, or we've opened up most of the map, except for the northern area. We can't figure out how to get into there yet. And I'm not sure how um, intense the underworld kind of area goes. We found two different spots down there. So what area are you in now? Oh, we're all over. I don't remember what most of them are called. Okay. So there's yeah. like Caleb, Limgrave... Yeah. Yeah, we've got both of those pretty much. Landale is the capital city. Okay, is that where Godric was? Is that like to the south? No, Godric was in Limgrave. Okay. Right? And he was like the first big boss you fought? You fought. Yeah, we've beat him. Um, and you beat Radon. No. We haven't beat him. We know where he is. You have not beaten Radon. He kind of whooped us the first couple attempts, so we just backed off. We've done... We're probably 20 levels up since then. We've got a whole bunch of new armor and weapons, so we're actually running out of things to do that we know need to be done, so we're probably going to go back to Radon pretty soon. Give that so did you beat go. the boss of uh, the... Uh, dang, I can't think of the name of the place. It's uh, right above Limgrave. It's just like the just north of there is it a shard bear yeah it's like the layer rea lucario we've done almost every boss we have access to that's not a shard bear um with a couple exceptions but uh yeah we've only done the one shard bear so far and i feel like we've not done the 20 bosses so you've not been through like leia route Rhea Lucaria manor or anything? Yeah, we just did that today. Uh, we what was at the end of that? Was that the one with the giant red wolf with the, like the laser sword in his mouth? No, there's there's more. There's more. Okay, we did that boss just like a few hours ago. And then, that's Carrion Manor, though. Yeah. Okay. We like I just Rhea Lucaria is south of there. Just found the glintstone key today, which we've been looking for for quite a while. Okay, yeah, that that'll get you into Rhea Lucaria. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you've not been to Landale yet. I don't think so. Um, and then there's areas... you got a lot more to go, let me I, just tell you that. Um, you have not opened up the map. <laughs> no, we, we're aware. There's a lot of gray space left on there that we, we don't know how to quite get to. But it looks like we've got about 75% of like the pictures uncovered. Very good. And Very then, good. Um, you'll be surprised. What happens, though, is that you think you're exposing most of the map, and then you find more, and you're like, the map just gross <laughs> oh so, really okay yeah interesting uh it's been fun though we haven't looked anything up so we're just trying to like yeah figure don't. it out or just explore in... and, and uh, that's been working so far 
yeah, just do you do another run, and that's when you start looking things up or do whatever you want to do. But the first time, just experience everything as you experience it. Yeah. Trot around the world, check all the things, and we're struggling to understand the magic system. So I might have to text you some questions about that because today we we got like a dozen new spells, and I was like, hey, some of these are pretty cool. If we put some points into intellect, we should be able to use these. So we did. And we've got the glintstone out, but I, I can't get some of them to function, and I'm not sure what I'm missing. So I'll bug you off air about that and, and see if we can figure okay. it out. Okay. Yep. Yep. It's mostly just meeting all the requirements and having enough FP to cast, and then I, having enough. Yeah, that's why I'm confused. Thing. I feel like we've done that, so I'm wondering if I'm just misunderstanding a requirement or something. Okay. Yep. We'll talk about it. I'm glad you guys are having fun. So, are you guys? You guys are running one character and just trading off, right? Yes. That's right. Why? Why doing that instead of just having your own? Just, just, just having fun of passing it back and forth. Yeah, like every time we hit a new uh, grace site or uh, someone okay. takes down a okay. boss, or maybe like the boss has killed me ten times in a row. It's like, hey, you take a try. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, very good. And that's very been working good. really well. Been having a good time. Well, I'm, uh, my son's actually. I'm glad you guys are having fun. Really good at it here, and more. he hasn't played a game like this before. I've been pretty impressed. Like. He beat two, three bosses today on his first attempt, uh, which I'm not sure I could have done. At least two of those probably would have killed me a time or two. Well, you just gotta let him know if he enjoys this, and there's a whole huge back catalog to go, to go play through. And hey, Demon Souls is on PS5. There you go. <laughs> That's true. Maybe yeah, maybe I'll pick that up. It's getting cheaper now, so uh, we'll see after. It's, be- it's a beautiful game. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Bill. When's that? Uh, you got that steamy deck over there, so you know I whenever do. you're gonna hop in. The steamiest of decks. Yeah. Every time I like, okay, there's a sale coming, and I I know you've said before you're like, yeah, there's no reason to put this game on sale. It's still selling. And while that is true, I do see it. You know, for console, you know, like 35. You know, like a GameFly sale or whatever, or you know, you'll catch it on uh, like Newegg. I think actually he was selling codes. Uh, discounted briefly one day and I just happened to miss it so it's like I know at the end of the day you know if I save eight dollars on it like is it gonna matter two years from now if I saved eight dollars like all the money I waste on other random stuff but it's hard to break out of that you know I don't like paying sixty four dollars for games mentality you know but uh, if I can feel like I got a good deal I'll just feel better so about it when when I went to buy it I just assumed I could like it's one of the biggest games of the year super popular title i just assumed i could walk into a store and buy it we went to four mm. stores in town the only four stores in mm. town we have that sell physical video games none of them mm. had a copy i had to order it on wow. amazon it was very wow. weird yeah. it's a pretty it's still selling really well they yeah. they they said they've blown all their sales targets out of the water so awesome yeah it is well, the top game on my steam wish list because I do rank them. I don't know if other people rank them. <laughs> and the reason I rank them is in case, like, if my wife's ever like, oh, like, I don't know what to get you for Father's Day or whatever, I'm like, dude, check the wish list. It is in order. <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing more about the lands between. Um, but uh, what else you got going on? Uh, just some movies. Uh, I keep trying to find an 80s comedy that I will enjoy still. And man, they just. Something about that genre and that time, I just hate them now. Uh, we watched Teen Wolf. There's only a few last night. There's only a few. Thinking, yeah, like, oh, that'll be fun. And yeah. it's like they're boring. Com- 80s comedies are boring, mm. and they always have 
every single one of them, without exception that I've watched recently, has to have uh, the F word, uh, the slur for a gay person in it. Yeah. Every single one of them. Mm. And I'm like, this is rated G? Like, seriously? Mm. PG? Like, the, what yeah. about... What about Beverly Hills Cop? I haven't watched that in a long time. Mm. You think that one holds up? Mm. Uh, it's been a while, but I bet Beverly Hills Cop holds up. Yeah. That's how I feel the, about the all of these when yeah. I watch them. I'm like, this is yeah. going to hold up. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. When you said Teen Wolf, I don't like. I would kind of probably talk more about in a minute, but I, I, like, I enjoyed Crocodile Dundee. I mean, I had that one. You're right. That one part is a little distasteful now. But, I mean, overall... It's pretty good, pretty pretty well held up. But yeah, a lot of other ones are even that one. Like I, I felt it was really boring too. Like didn't really have comedy in it, uh, and the action stuff was really slow and goofy. It's like one big punch and someone's knocked out constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an eighties movie. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I I'd actually be interested to put a list together for myself to see like what eighties um, movies in my mind I loved, and then like watch them again, and then see like how they hold up. The one that I have seen multiple times, including recently, that I still absolutely adore is Coming to America. Um, uh, but yeah, I haven't seen a lot of the movies that I loved in the eighties. The other one that I've seen fairly recently, and besides having some pacing issues, I still really, really enjoyed it. And that's the slightly lesser known um, Val Kilmer comedy, Real Genius. Yeah, Real Genius is is good. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I love movies from that era, just not comedies anymore, it seems like. Mm. Um, There's always Ghostbusters. I find Ghostbusters pretty boring, too, to be honest. What? (laughs) (laughs) Now, is it because you've just seen these movies before and there's nothing new for you, or...? No, I've rewatched like action movies from that era, and I still love them, and I know what's going to happen, and I find them funnier too. Like the stupid Arnold one-liners, I find way funnier than uh, like I rewatched Weird yeah. Science recently, and that was just so boring. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'd actually, I'm actually thinking about it because I have memories of movies that I really enjoyed, but I haven't seen them in ages, so I'd actually be curious to go back and watch them. Yeah, I I like doing that. Uh, because it's a totally different perspective now. But yeah, comedies, mm-hmm. I'm finding, don't hold up. But uh, other stuff, like I watched uh, I watched Flash Gordon and Battlestar Galactica movies recently. And I had a really good time with both of those. They were super fun and weird. And, and you know, Battlestar is pretty slow too, but uh, it was uh, a different uh, take on sci-fi than I've, I've seen where they kind of lose like within the first 20 minutes of the show and then the rest of the movies, them just trying to, survive and, and like keep humanity alive you know watch some space 1999 next some what you never heard of space 1999 i guess not it's a tv series i think they had a movie to kick it all off or whatever like a tv movie but no well okay i have to remember i'm old and you guys are not but space 1999 it was a show it was a thing all right i'll put add that to my uh, sci-fi watch list yeah, I mean, like, what, there was Battlestar Galactica. I remember the show being on. It wasn't on forever, and it was eh. And then there was Buck Rogers, you know, whatever you think of that. Uh, had its ups and downs. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I like the Flash Gordon was sci-fi. good. Camp- campy. Campy good. But Flash it's campy was good. and, like, interesting colors, and the costumes were so cool. And uh, It's just a wild movie. Yeah, it's a very wild movie. Like, yeah. 
allies becoming enemies, enemies becoming allies, like constantly switching allegiances and big uh, big battles at the end. And it was wild, wild movie. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've got on my list of like from I don't know, like HBO or whatever. Like you know, you put the things on your list and you eventually are gonna watch them. And I saw Crawl was on there, and I don't think I've seen Crawl and. I would be up 20 to years crawl. or something. I think I've got a DVD so, copy of that still. I think uh, I think for too long I'm going to watch Crawl again. Right, give me a heads up. I'll watch Crawl with you. <laughs> okay, whatever yeah. you want. You let me know. Right. I actually put on, um, I hadn't seen it in ages, I threw on um, Conan the Barbarian, was streaming on something oh, around here. It was like, about a month ago. You know like when you, like, turn the, when you turn the TV on, it's like got the featured ones on there, and it was just Conan, and I was like, man i haven't seen that in forever and i threw it on and sarah walks in and it was i, I threw on the bedroom tv and she kind of walks in and sits down and she got her water and she's looking at it and she's like what's this and i was like bite your tongue woman and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i kept going and she was like oh it's one of these movies and i was like yeah it's gonna be awesome <laughs> just wait red sonia's coming up next yep exactly got that bridget one. nielsen uh, on deck that one's a little hard to go back to but i do like the conan still yeah um, yeah, very good. Anything else? It's been my, my last couple of weeks. Awesome. Well, how about you, Bill? What's going on? Oh, man, so much. Uh, I hope I don't take the whole rest of the show, but I will do my best, as always, to be as, as non Bill as possible and try to keep it brief. <laughs> oh, don't be non <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't be the same show. No. So um, uh, I have uh, one thing that won't add any time to my segment here. Um, I have not played Destiny Two since the last show. Um, I this might be the first time. Uh, I mean, it's definitely the first time in recent memory. I we'd have to go back and check the archives to see when the last time I didn't fire the game up at all. Um, but uh, so part of it I was have a, because I, have a Destiny I was thing that you taught me. Yeah. So I was on okay. I was on Twitter and I kept seeing all these posts that were like. Twab, Twab, and I looked on Twab. trending, and Twab was trending. I'm like, yeah. I know what that means. Like normally, when there's yep. an abbreviation We're, like that, I'm like, I don't know what the hell they're <laughs> talking about today. Wear Twab, yeah. and I, I told my wife before Father's Day, they they made a wear Twab shirt with like you know the conspiracy theory, like the yarn and like the newspaper clippings. Like, wear Twab, and I told my wife like tr- trying to keep it like subtle. Oh, that isn't this such an awesome shirt? And like I sent her the link, the store <laughs> link to it, and everything. Uh, Father's Day came and went. I do not own that shirt yet. She probably thinks it's some kind of weird QAnon thing or something. She's <laughs> oh, like, nah, I'm not, I'm not getting you I, that. I, yeah, I think hopefully she would know that that would <laughs> not be the case. But but yeah, it definitely has that kind of conspiracy look to it. Um, so, uh, But yeah, so uh, uh, I've, I have been reading the TWABs, you know, keep up on the news and everything. Uh, but yeah, no Destiny for me, um, partially because it's just been, you know, real busy. I was preparing to travel uh, last week. Uh uh, so let me start with a quick Steam Deck update, and then we'll get into the reason for my travel. Um, so um, I believe I mentioned that I've, I'm playing Final Fantasy VI. Um, I'm probably another, uh, you know, four or five hours uh, since the last show. I'm about twelve-ish hours in. I'm in the town of uh, maybe you pronounce it Kolingen, Kolingen, something like that, um, which is where Locke is from, uh, where you find out about Rachel. Uh, which is already a beautiful story because she has the same name as Rachel from Blade Runner. Um, but besides that, they were going to say like Ross's Rachel. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Rach. Uh, it's really a beautiful. So there's actually a lot of really low key, super, super sad stories, like just nestled into Final Fantasy VI so far. Um, 
and it's sometimes they're quick but you know they hit really hard like when uh cyan's family uh is essentially like all poisoned like try try reading the try playing the non-sanitized version that's oh yeah it's it's worse okay oh yeah yeah so so there's that and then um i mean there's a bunch so like not to get into like all of them but like the most recent one so and it's it's it remind you know it happens in other final fantasy games where like you'll get to a town or a city and it's like oh this is this person's hometown and then like you get a little bit of backstory like when you know barrett with uh you know like uh uh, Barrett and Dine, like, you know, when they're uh, get uh, thrown in the prison underneath Gold Saucer and stuff like that. So you get to this town and as you kind of start going through it, it, it's you realize like, oh, like this is Rachel's town. And then it kind of goes like that antique, you know, kind of black and white uh, color. So, you know, you're looking at something in the past. And so Locke was involved with this girl, Rachel, that like everyone was like, hey, he's just like a thief. Don't don't deal with him. And like she was with him anyway. And she, like, goes on an adventure with him and, like, ends up, like, like losing, like, her memory. And, like, there's, like, uh, there's, like, this whole, like, story there. And then it happens really quickly. But they're, like, yeah, like, shortly. And then, like, you know, after, like, Locke took off, like, uh, she, like the Imperials attacked and, like, she perished. Like, she's dead. And it's, like, oh, man. Like, it's real heavy and it hits hard. And then, like, you go in a building and you go down there and it's like a sleeping beauty uh zelda type thing where it's like she's here she's like like put under like she, like you have to figure out a way to revive her so like or it's uh, another uh, similar uh, shadow of the colossus where it's like all right like what like how can we so like it feels like this is you know something that we're going to be pursuing it's not something that i'm actually pursuing right now because we're still kind of chasing tara because she had her like superman neo moment where she's like flying <laughs> yeah. through the uh, through the world um and the rage against the machine somehow wasn't playing while she was uh flying around um but yeah man it's uh uh the battle system uh, continues to be really super interesting in that like so many games you just kind of hold that attack button down and then use the magic when you need it or use cure when you need it and everyone and it's 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 weird because it's it doesn't strike me as like a quote-unquote job system it's not like this person's this and this person's that there's a little bit of that like lock can steal and stuff like that but like with edgar having like the tools and gao having his rage mechanic and um shadow showing up like when he feels like it and then you pay him a little bit of money and then he just pieces out uh and then another thing to do with shadow which I know I called him Ninja on a previous episode, uh, my fault. But so I had Shadow with me, I feel like for a while. And then he was like, all right, I'm, I'm done here. And then he takes off, which I knew was going to happen. And then I found him in Colingen and he was like at a bar. And I was and he was like, oh, my price is this much. And I'm like, yeah, 100 percent come with. So he came with. So now I've got four people in my party and I was kind of leveling in this nearby forest. And. I don't know if it's just me, like maybe you guys can confirm, but like I feel like I was consistently getting like 130 experience points like per battle, like like not just at like consistently, it was like 130, 130, 130, 130. And then he was like, all right, I'm done. Like, and then he pieces out and then I start fighting and I start getting like 187. And I'm <laughs> like, wait, are they, am I getting less because I have more people in my party? Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so that's a leveling strategy later is take small groups to fight Mm. some tough mobs. And so that'll be great once you can handle it. If I got like two people that need to catch up, like just take those two bros. Yeah. And the other thing I read about was on the Velt, 
So I figured this out myself because I'm not that I'm against guides because I have guides all over the place, but like I'm just trying to play it just to uh, to yeah. start, and then if it goes that way, I'll start uh, googling. But I'm on the Velt, and I start to notice that I haven't gained experience in a little bit, and I'm like, okay. So I start paying attention to that, but I'm still getting money, and I'm still getting, um, uh, you know, like I'm I'm pretty much just like leaping with uh, with Gal like to to learn rages. So I feel like I've gotten kind of everyone in the Velt so far, and like I couldn't figure out if I was missing something, so I do a quick search, and it's like, oh, like well, like when you encounter a formation in the world, like then they become available in the Velt. I'm like, oh, okay, and then I stopped reading. Because I was like, now I kind of understand a little bit. Now I'm just going to, like, you know, try to, like, figure the rest out myself. So, um, uh, so yeah, there's there's some mechanics that are that are kind of shown to you a little bit. And then they never, like, explicitly explain once you do one of Gao's rages, he's, like, not controllable for the rest of the fight. Or if they did explain that, I skipped over it. So it seems like there's, like, a physical and a magic with most rages that he can just kind of automatically do when it becomes his turn. But the problem I'm running into is maybe because I leveled too much or maybe because I'm in a group of four that's very powerful, I'll, I'll try rages with them just to see what they do. And, like, the fight's over so quick that, like, I don't get a feel for, like, how good the rage is. So I'm still trying to, like, figure out, okay, is Tusker good? Is, you know, like... You'll uh, find Berserker a few that good? you'll be like, oh, yeah, these yeah. <laughs> are the ones to use. And I finally found one because I'm in a group that doesn't have a, uh, a magician or a sorcerer or whatever with us. So, like, I'm just staying near, like, hotels and stuff like that or using tents or whatever. Which it's also really cool that when you use one, like, you get, like, a little tent graphic that, like, comes <laughs> over your people. I don't remember seeing that. Um, and also Phoenix Down. Uh, it's weird that it's spelt Mark as in Marcus Phoenix instead of the bird Phoenix. <laughs> and also you get like little Phoenix feathers uh, sprinkling, which uh, makes sense because, you know, down. Uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, with um, with uh, the um, uh, rage that I found, uh, I found one that cures and I'm like, oh, cool. So like if we're running low, I can just keep doing this one. And like, hopefully like white like, wind. Oh, is it that one? Something like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time with it. I'm currently, you know, like I know where I'm supposed to go in the main story, but like every time I kind of get to a spot, um, where I feel like I can level, uh, even if I don't feel like I need to, it's like, it's going to be better if I just do this for a little bit, especially with the portable nature of the system doesn't hurt anybody to level three times. And what I started to notice too, is I take a look at the stats before I level and I take a look at the stats after I level. So obviously HP is a big one that boosts up pretty noticeably with every level. Um, but what's interesting is it does not seem like, unless I'm wrong and it's like maybe based on certain characters, it doesn't seem like defense changes at all. It seems like that's completely related to the thing that you're that's equipped on you. I believe if I remember right, there are quite a few glitches in the hmm. version and okay. I think that's one of them. Okay. Because yeah, like like I I like screenshotted everything. I leveled up and I looked back and it's like yeah, HP goes up, you know, attack goes up, but like defense stayed the same on like three yeah, different characters. I'm trying when to remember, there's up. there's like a couple things when you read through, you know, at some point in time you'll see like that version is it's got problems, but yep. you know, it doesn't make it unplayable. I mean, That's everything right. still works, but yep, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, the the music's terrific. Um, especially the uh, just the, the main overworld theme is one that I will just sing 
walking through the grocery store. (laughs) Tara's theme uh, is one of my favorites as well. So So good. So there's a lot of stuff. I've never played 4, but there's a lot of stuff I love from 4 just from listening to the soundtrack and listening to the cover the soundtrack. I've not. Oh, man. You're going to have so much fun. I know. At some point in time. I'm so, so, I'm, and and I'm th- I've wanted to play these for so long, and it's not like I can't just sit in front of a TV and play them. It's really, really difficult for me to be in front of, you know, my, like, modern PC and Xbox and PlayStation 5 apparatus with such limited time and, like, not play this stuff that, like, the reason I bought those systems. Whereas, like, I really feel like the Steam Deck is perfectly suited to do this because you can just pop it out and play for a few minutes. These games, you can just level up a little sometimes if you happen to be on a plane or, you know, like just you woke up early because your kid's up at four instead of seven and you just got a little bit of extra time. It's so easy just to do that because it doesn't take up the TV and he wants to watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I never really valued the portability uh, before, but I just happen to be in a time in my life where it fits perfectly and I just have this list of games that I'm ready to go through. And six was at the top of it. So it's it's the one I started with. Well, keep us on the updates. I love hearing about it. It's been a long time. I'm hoping at some point in time that the Pixel Remasters come to console so I can play yeah. through again. But I would say, at least to me, the PSP version of 4 is probably the one to play. So I was going to say, yeah, the, that one you recommended, I, I threw it on, um, I threw the PSP image on the my, my uh, Steam Deck and just fired it up just to make sure that it worked because I hadn't fired up a PSP game yet. And if, if the first screen was in Japanese, so I was afraid, I was like, oh, maybe I did the wrong image. But then when I got to the title screen, everything's in English. And I just kind of watched that in, not really cinematic, but it's like an intro scene where like they show like airships like flying over the the land and then they show some text and some dialogue and i was like man this looks really good so uh (laughs) it just it just looks great so i'm excited yeah i would say for five i don't know i the gba version's really good but you might want to look at pixel remaster and see what the reviews are but i i enjoyed the the gba version a lot so Mm -hmm. So how far up your Amazon wish list have you moved that thirteen thousand dollar statue? <laughs> number one now. Yeah, it's. I it's saw not, a picture of that in real life. It's yeah. very big. Yeah, it's actually not available anymore because I bought it and it's on the way. <laughs> <laughs> I tell yeah, you, if I was a millionaire, gorgeous. I would I would be one of those idiots that would that would <laughs> I would buy that. So yeah, so yeah, I'm 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 having fun with it. It's uh uh. It's it's true. I'm I'm not as far as I was the first time I played it, which goes to show how bad my memory is from, or how long ago it was that I played that. But to be fair, it was the Game Boy Advance version, so I was playing on a tiny system, probably not very regularly, probably just like opening it up here and there, and probably wasn't you know sticking with it. So, really trying to play it regularly and play it for. I mean, if I'm gonna play, I can play it for just a few minutes here and there, but that's just like a level up session. I'll never advanced story if i only have like five minutes even though i can do a save state or something because i know it's it's not going to get retained so well that's the great thing about like velt grinding or something Mm -hmm. right that's a very just kind of do it and pay attention to something else or whatever right yep absolutely so uh so yeah so that's what i've mostly been playing the other thing that i fired up today for a few minutes uh of being inspired by our uh friends at the rf gen uh playcast 
Uh, I'm a huge fan of Shinobi 3. It's my, one of my top five uh, Genesis games. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Revenge of Shinobi. Um, I feel like it's much slower, much stiffer, much uh, more um, restrictive. Bite your tongue, man. Yeah, it's just me, you know. <laughs> You can uh, we we can have a debate. Ooh, this will be the debate. Uh, Revenge of Shinobi versus Shinobi Three. I win, so we don't have to have that episode. So, um, but yeah. So since the Playcast guys uh, uh, reco- uh, released um, their first episode in a while, uh, I was very very uh, glad to get that. Glad to see those guys back uh, and and releasing great content uh, still and again. And um, so the they did um, Shinobi uh, Revenge of Shinobi. They did Shadow Dancer and Shinobi Three. I had never played Shadow Dancer, and they were talking about it with, like, you know, the dog mechanic and kind of, like, some of the, uh, it's single hit death, but there's also, like, a knockback mechanic, so there's kind of, like, a oops, you know, like, I, and you can work your way out of it. So I fired up um, Shadow Dancer on the uh, Steam Deck today, and through the quote-unquote cheating of, of save states, um, I was able to uh, just continually reload uh uh, to escape death and I made it up to the third level like the Statue of Liberty level I want to say um, and some of these boss fights I mean they're not the hardest boss fights in the world but it's single hit death and they're not super forgiving um, but it's just like anything else you just got to kind of figure out like oh okay I can't do that I have to do that it's a small hitbox let me try this and just you know patience just like take your time and, and keep at it uh, so yeah, I I really enjoyed it so far. So I'm uh, like three stages into that. I'm gonna keep going with that, um, and uh, yeah. So just some other uh, quick Steam Deck things. Um, I installed some more Steam games. I discovered a program called Heroic Games Launcher, which a lot of other Steam Deck people already know about. So this is an awesome uh, program that you install just on the Linux desktop, and uh, you fire it up and you log in with your good old games account or your and or your um, Epic uh, Games account. And what it does is then it shows you your libraries and you say, okay, like that's the game I want. And it downloads the game uh, into you know a little container like the same way like it would in Steam. And then you can run a little script that takes all those games in those libraries creates shortcuts for them and adds them in your Steam library. So essentially it takes these games from other digital platforms, gets them on your machine in a playable format, and then puts them in uh, the Steam uh, uh, interface for you. So the cool the cool thing, uh, you can just launch them straight from Heroic, but what's cool about going through Steam is the, the compatibility layer between the Linux operating system and the game that was designed to run on Windows is this uh, compatibility layer called Proton. And there are many versions of Proton. And when Steam gets updated, it's like, okay, we're up to Proton 12 or 12.5 or 13 or 13.5. When you launch a game in Steam, there's this little kind of sub menu in there where you can say, you, or you can choose which version of Proton you want to launch the game with. So what's cool about that is if, if it was just on the OS, if you were just launching that game from just the operating system, it's like the game is what it is, and like maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But since you're launching it through that Proton layer, not only is it uh, a good chance that it's going to uh, be more successful in running, but you have that option to go in there and say, oh, that one didn't work, let's try this one, let's try this one. And there's people out there, like on you know the Steam Deck Reddit and just in forums and stuff, where they'll be like... Hey, you know, I can't get you know Red Dead Redemption Two running. Like, what do I do? And people would be like, "Oh, use Proton 12.7. You know, that that's the one." 
Um, and as Proton gets like you know like more updated and stuff like that, that information is built into Proton, so Proton knows. Okay, I should be using this version. Um, but again, it's just another you know example of uh, and because uh, the Heroic Games launcher is not a product made by Valve or Good Old Games or anybody. It's just you know it's a community thing. So it's just another example of what the community can do when you just give them a Linux operating system and access to just you know write the software that they uh that they're interested in writing so so is with a steam deck can you get to an actual desktop absolutely so is it kde or gnu so it's uh or is it kind of like something else so i i i don't have it right in front of me so i couldn't tell you the kernel um it is uh so the way it works is like when you boot up when you like you know either boot up or like uh uh wake up rather a steam deck just hit the power button put in your unlock code it's in this in a you know like a console like interface where it shows your games your library your settings all that stuff so you hit the you either hit the steam button um or hold the power button and then one of the options on the power menu is switch to desktop so when you hit so when you hit switch to desktop it kind of comes out of that steam big picture view uh, for lack of a better word and you're just legit on a desktop with I me. Mean, I know it's not a Windows machine, but like, you know, with a start menu, with applications, with a bar, uh, you know, right clicking on stuff with programs everywhere. Uh, uh, open up Firefox, you know, um, just open up your uh, Linux applications viewer and just choose apps from a repository. Uh, so some other things I did, um, uh, Firefox comes standard on it in a flat pack, uh, which is great for keeping it updated, but transmission. So another cool thing about this is um, one of the ROM sites that I used to use uh, went went uh, they decided to fold the site uh, and they were never like, you know, um, no one ever went to them and said, you know, like, we're going to take you down. There's never any legal action. They were just kind of like, we're going to quit while we're ahead. You know, like we had a great run and everything's good, like no, no sore, you know, no soreness, anything here, but like we're just going to take it down. So when I kind of went to load up my system with ROMs, I was like, ooh, like, where do I get these? So after a very small amount of searching, I found where you go to get these things. Um, so, uh, um, so I went there, and there are both direct downloads as well as torrents uh, for these things. And um, so typically what you would do is you would go to a computer, you would you know, get your, your torrent download or whatever, you grab the torrent file, you get it, and then you have to figure out a way to transfer it to that other thing, whether it's you know USB or micro SD or whatever but since the device you're on is just a Linux computer itself I can just download transmission and I can get the torrent right on it and I could just put it right in the ROM folder where it goes and if it's like you know a 7z I can uncompress it and I can take the bin Q and I can make it a CHD and it all just happens on this unit it's so perfect and there's no you know none of those additional steps that happen everywhere else it's so good and, yeah, uh, I like the idea that they use Linux. Um, yeah. I have you tried running anything under Wine, like uh, any Windows apps or anything? I have not. Um, oh, okay. I, so the only one that I was considering was the Xbox app, so that I could play the Xbox uh, Game Pass games. But since they do those through uh, uh, the cloud um, streaming um, that I mentioned a, a show or two ago, uh, I'm okay doing that for now. Even though there's a little bit of lag on it because the the rumors from both sides are that Microsoft is working with Valve to get native Xbox uh, Game Pass support within Steam itself. Uh, so if that happens, then 
you just be looking at you know linking the account or like it'll be like an xbox game pass app that just is built natively into steam um but yeah so it's 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 fantastic um and the and the last thing i went on the uh, the emulator uh, sorry the mu drive uh, uh discord server and the developer the all the guys there are awesome but like there there's this kind of you know downside of reddit where you'll ask a question and you'll just get attacked for asking a stupid question or like you should know oh my god read the this FAQs idiot first. doesn't know so, so i have this you know i have this fear of asking a question before doing as much research as possible so like i'll do searches i'll do this i'll try this so whenever i ask a question on reddit it's like listen here's what i've tried here's what i really try to ask a good question right but i really don't like asking questions on reddit it's just like the the way that people react so i get on this discord and i ask a question and like the head developer of mu deck like very nice responds like here here's what's going on uh and um I asked, I asked another question. I was like, is because they have a script that will like convert, uh, uh, like bin Q to CHD. So I asked, um, and it just does it automatically. And I said, can I do this with this form? Cause I have, um, like dot image files or like, I forget what format it was for some of the Sega CD uh, games. And I was like, will it do it with this file type? And he was like, that's a really good question. I was like, yes, I asked a really good question. <laughs> and he's like, I could have sworn I helped someone with this problem, but they also had like a bin queue, like as well as that. And I'm like, so, but yeah, so, uh, so what's amazing is, um, so you jump onto, onto that and like that they're just so excellent and willing to help. And, uh, it's really terrific. So I asked on there, it's like, Hey, like what utility do people like for backing up, um, the micro? Cause the emula the emu deck uh you choose when you install it like do you want this on your internal drive do you want it on the micro sd it's like i'd prefer it on the micro sd to keep my internal for like steam games so i said what's a good utility for backing up the micro sd and one of the, like the lead developer was like i just run this uh you know uh rsync uh command um on the uh, uh on the micro on the micro sd like occasionally and it's like you know recursively backs it up and like puts it here and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I've got a, uh, I've got a free NAS. Um, or rather, they changed their name to True NAS. So I was like, I've got a True NAS at home. And he's like, oh, like, this is a really good use case for having a dedicated uh, NFS share. Um, that way, like, formats are the same, like, you know, because NTFS can be, tr can be funky when you do that kind of stuff. Um, so now I have a backup script that I, I have a name brand micro SD card, but, you know, it's not uncommon for micro SDs to just all of a sudden forget who they are. <laughs> and, like, no, they're not really built for that kind of storage you right. know, unless you're going to get like industrial right so uh so i'm i have a backup script now because like the, the further i get in final fantasy or like the more safe states i get in shadow dancer or like the more things that i do anywhere it's like man uh it's one thing to have your steam games cloud saved and if something happens you just reinstall that but it's another to be like oh man like all this stuff i'm manually doing with the emulator setup would all have to be redone because it's on the micro sd so now I have a backup script and an NFS share. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. So so rolling a little bit into uh, uh, why I got so much time to play the Steam Deck, um, I uh, I had a flight credit from a travel debacle with um, an airline and a credit card with like reward points. So I had this this credit, but it had to be used by August fifth. I'm on vacation like August 1st through 13th, so like it couldn't be used then. And the the time just kind of crept up on me, and I was looking like, oh, are there any concerts I could go to, any hockey games, like anything? And 
And then it was like there was either nothing or JetBlue doesn't fly there. So I didn't think it was going to get used. And then our good buddy Rich uh, uh, reached out to me um, again because I initially told him that I was trying to maybe come down, visit him using this flight credit. So he pinged me and he was like, hey, you know, is there how how's this weekend work? And I was like, that doesn't work. How's this one work? He's like, that doesn't work. How about this one? So we found a weekend that worked for both of us that neither one of us were like at a beach or like working or, or anything. So I was up at 1 a.m. on Saturday the 16th to uh, leave by 1.30 to get at the parking lot at the airport by 3 to get the shuttle for a 5.20 flight. So it was a very early morning, um, but I landed at 6.50 in North Carolina. Uh, Rich uh, picked me up. Uh, It was a whirlwind of a trip because it was just flying in Saturday, flying out Sunday. But we did, we packed so much into those two days. It was such a great time. Um, So uh, uh, first thing we did, he was like, let's get you some food. Uh, So we went to a place that we don't have up here. Uh, and that's what he wanted to do. He was like, do you have this up there? Okay. We're not going there. <laughs> so, like, so, uh, he took me to a Bojangles and we oh, just yeah. had a nice little biscuit and egg, uh, for breakfast. And it's a nice, nice way to wake up. Uh, uh, so we, we drove through uh, from the airport, uh, over to the Greensboro area. Um, he had a couple of spots that he wanted to show me. Um, it was very early, so not a lot was open. So we started off with an espresso, which was, Chef's Kiss, uh, excellent choice uh, by Rich. And he also went to this really nice dessert place and we grabbed a cheesecake to you know bring home for later to, to have with the fam. And he thought ahead, he brought it because they sell them frozen. So he brought a cooler. So it could like we were just riding with a cheesecake in the car most of the day. So, um, but yeah, so, and then uh, we kind of drove around the Greensboro area. It was beautiful. He was kind of showing me, you know, like all the different colleges and all the different, you know, like cool things in the area. Very, very cool town. And he took me to this movie theater. He said, there's been this like explosion of graffiti uh, in the city in the last few years, but like not in a bad way. Like we're like people, you know, just doing bad. Like the city has like embraced it and they're commissioning like graffiti artists to like put like really cool art. And there's art everywhere so he took me to this uh, movie theater and like as we're going there there's like awesome things everyone's like, oh check out that and check out that so we got to this movie theater it's closed no one's there we park the car we get out and there's like just like a you know ripped out right out of blade runner cyberpunk entire mural on like the side of this building it was huge it was awesome so we got out took some pictures and then he was like oh we're not done we run around the back of the building and this is the one that I put on my Instagram, uh, if you follow me there. And it was just kind of like, it was almost like one after the other. It was like maybe like a 30 to 50 foot, you know, wide and like the height of the building. Like every artist had their own like little panel and they had some cool spots where like there were some stairs going up. So the guy did like the Joker's like torso on the stairs and then the head was like the doors at the top and there was some Batman stuff. There was Mando, there was Boba Fett, there was uh, you know Pinocchio with like a skull mask. Like uh, the other side of the building, there was this insane realism Wonder Woman and um, Wolverine. We get to the other side of the building, there's this unreal Stan Lee uh, real- realism like a spray paint um, piece. Um, there was a, a little Terminator 2 Arnie action over there. They had a really, really, really good K from uh, Blade Runner 2049. And um, there was a really cool um, Finn from uh, the uh, the episode seven, eight, nine uh, Star Wars films, but it was done in pink and blue, 
her red and blue and you could tell like like one was like Finn the man and the other one was like the stormtrooper so with like if, the bloody fingers on it if you wore your 3D glasses with the two lenses would it have popped right off the wall <laughs> when you so like right on the curb there's like a big metal set of glasses <laughs> and there and so he, we walked up to it and he was like oh like someone like it's broken like someone like stole the thing so there is like there's like a red set of glasses and a blue set so that you can like get behind it and like move and like That's only hilarious. see one or like see both so it was so and he was like oh i'm so mad that like the the glasses piece isn't there because like the frames were there but like not the not the color but it was so so cool and he was like i had to take you here this is like bill the building <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was awesome and he did, and and he did such a good job of uh yeah the building never shut up um he did such a good job of um uh planning the day like he had like kind of the times that all these different places opened that he wanted to take me and like every time we would like leave a place he would check the watch and he was like they opened one minute ago and then we you know we'd go to that place so um he took me to a place that he's talked about a lot um in the past uh it's one of his honey holes that uh so we get there and he's like you know i've talked about the honey hole and i'm like this is the honey hole he's like this is one of them there's a few locations this is the smaller one we're going to the bigger one tomorrow so we went in there um and it was it was awesome it was cavernous and he was like this this is the smaller one we're going to the bigger one tomorrow so it was this crazy mix of uh i don't want to say flea market it's not a flea market it's a crazy mix of like it's almost like uh like a thrift shop but with like just a massive amount of uh like quality stuff in there um it's it's really hard to describe because they have just like rows and rows and rows of books and as opposed to like a Goodwill or a Savers where they just kind of like throw stuff out there and like who knows, like it was organized like a library. You could go down, you know, like the sci-fi section. You could go down like by author. The video game like area was unreal. Like all every system, um, major system you could imagine, everything's alphabetized, which is like unheard of for a thrift shop. Yeah. They have these like check-in stations where like you like where you go there and you kind of have just like you know buckets of stuff or whatever and you drop it off and they like give you a ticket and then like you go shop and then you come back in a little bit either when like your name pops up on the screen or something and then you go back there and then they tell you okay like this is how much like uh, you have in cash or credit or whatever and you can say yay or nay take all your stuff back or like take your credit slip so like they've got it worked out where like you can like shop while they're like reviewing your stuff so they have people like you know looking up prices and like doing stuff like that um but like it would it's such an amazing place to go for like just a random thing you need like nintendo wii nunchucks they have like three thousand of them they're like three or four dollars each um like not that you would ever really want a 20 gig xbox 360 hard drive but let's say you got a spare console laying around you want the xbox 360 hard drive they're like four dollars there <laughs> so it's it's insane and he, and he said you know to be fair they have gotten uh you know they used to let a lot of things kind of slide through the cracks so you can get some good deals he's like you can't really get those insane deals anymore but you can get the stuff you're looking at at the price that you'd expect to pay without like going insane Lots of records, good amount of laser disc, um, you know, rando board games, musical instruments, PA speakers, mixers, like boss pedals, like it's insane. Just like the the quantity and the variety of stuff that they have. 
Um, so that was awesome. Um, I don't think I ended up getting anything there. Like there was a few things that I was like on the fence about. And he was like, honestly, like if, if you're on the fence, like wait till t- we're going a lot of other places, just hold off. So I didn't get anything there. Um, but, uh, but that day he just took me to, you know, like several more game stores, including, and, and the thing with this too, is like everyone at all these stores is like Rich's buddy. Like <laughs> everyone knows him. He's a regular, he's, you know, uh, got artwork in the, in the store or like, you know, they've got, uh, uh, you know, uh, they're doing a show together, you know, like it was, it was like, he made the joke when we went to the pizza place when he was visiting over here. Uh, I walked in. People were like, "Oh, hey, Bill, what's going on?" The the cook. Oh, hey, Bill, what's going on? The the server. Hey, Bill, what's going on? He's like, "I keep waiting for the Cheers theme to play here," uh, but it was exactly the same going down to visit every place you walked into. Hey, Rich, what's going on? So, uh, it was awesome to see. But uh, one of the stores he took me to was this awesome retro game store uh, where, and they had a lot of uh, import stuff as well. They also had a Japanese arcade in like the back of this store and he and he said that and i'm like i wonder what he means by that maybe like they just have some japanese machines in the back but like it's a legit game store and then you kind of walk around a corner and there's like saloon doors and they're like okay like you can't just go in here like admission required you had to go to the cash wrap and like pay like get like a wristband because you pay like a flat rate to go in this arcade so uh, he had some like vouchers that uh clipped from a newspaper so we get in and i'm telling you it is like a dozen candy caps, um, like three or four of them back to back. And then a whole bunch like along the uh, the perimeter of the room with game, like a lot of them with games I've heard of, but like none that I had played. Um, like I'd never played like Dungeons and Dragons uh, on a candy oh. cap. Uh, it was great. Um, he sat next to me. He played Moonwalker, uh, which is hilarious. Like the sound effects somehow are like funny every time. Um there was a, uh, they had a Super Street Fighter 2 um, Grandmaster Challenge. Uh, oh. We played that. They had a Street Fighter 3. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Third Strike. Uh, me and Rich played uh, that. Um, I had heard of Darius. I've never played a Darius arcade machine. It was one of those big double wide uh, Darius uh, machines. Multi screen. They had yeah. to sit in the bench. And yeah. it wasn't just multi screen, it was like multi wide screens. So it's like you could get a crick in your neck. Um, like with. <laughs> I and it was free play, so we you know we played it you know to completion. But like man, and I never realized that Darius was like had this like aquatic theme. So we're fighting like shrimps and crustaceans and like all these like uh, you know uh, nautical uh, elemental uh, uh, you know uh, things in there. And the place wasn't packed, but there was like three or four guys that were playing like you know Street Fighter like back to back and stuff. And he's like. Oh yeah, they got like you know like regular Street Fighter clubs, and they got you know people who meet here for like different stuff. Um, so it was really really cool to see that. And um, this store is where I picked up uh, probably the best thing that I grabbed uh, uh, over the weekend. So I'll, I'll save that for uh, for when I talk about pickups um, at the end of this uh, little story here. So um, we did a few more things. He took me to a really nice lunch um, at a place, uh, just like a good like burger and wrap place. Uh, we finished our our food just like we were like signing the check and we were, we were sitting outside and we like signed the check like right as it started to like downpour rain so we're like yes we got it <laughs> so then we uh we we jogged uh, back to the car uh grabbed some beverages to uh to get ready to uh to head back for for dinner time we did stop at his buddy's right he was like oh my buddy's record store is right over here if you want to stop here i'm like bring it on so we popped into this record store 
Um, they had a lot of legit stuff, but they also had a lot of bootlegs, which I don't see a lot of bootlegs at stores around here. So I went to like, you know, I was kind of flipping through uh, the tool section and they had uh, uh, Enema in there. And I'm like, there was not an Enema record release ever. And like, so I flip it around and I'm like, oh, this is not official. And then I know I started looking at other other areas and there's a whole bunch of like live records. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't like official or real. And Rich is like, yeah, that's a huge thing in vinyl right now is like live bootlegs. Uh, they're, they're huge. Uh, so that was interesting to see. Um, his buddy was very, very nice. He bought a record uh, uh, while he was in there. Um, I forget which, what it was. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, we got back to Rich's house and uh, we opened the door and waiting in Rich's house for us was our uh, our good buddy, Game Ruler, um, who is uh, Rich's neighbor. Um, he was also my Secret Santa match. Um, recently got me a bunch of uh, awesome hockey games. And being a very cool guy and a very big fan of the show, he was waiting there for me with a present. Oh, uh, he got, and because he knows I collect hockey games, he was my secret Santa, so he's got me a bunch of them. But one of the things that I kind of forget about sometimes are the non-NHL hockey games. Uh, so Game Ruler hooked it up. He got me a complete Super Nintendo copy of Street Sports Street Hockey 95. Oh my. <laughs> wow, I didn't even know that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, so he showed it and I was like, oh, like, I, like, because, you know, I just think NHL, you know, sometimes sure. you think, you know, ping pong table hockey, like some of the uh, kind of like oddball, like, uh, like odd ones. Um, but this is just not one that was like on my radar. So, so that was really, really cool of him. And also, just since he knows I'm a hockey fan and I'm from Connecticut, he he found in his uh, you know thrifting uh, voyages, uh, travels rather, um, a couple of posters. They are Carolina Hurricane posters. Being in Carolina makes sense. But since the Carolina Hurricanes moved from Hartford, where they were the Whalers, oh. uh, it's the team poster of the inaugural season for the Carolina Hurricanes. So the, this is a team full of Hartford Whalers in Carolina uh, jerseys. So and then again, so there was a, a second poster um, uh, for a, from a later year. But these are super, super cool. It was very, very nice of him. Very cool gesture. Um, appreciate it very much. And a little bit later in the evening, I got to meet uh, Game Rulers No Account Dad, uh, who we've uh, heard about. He's participated in the Secret Santa as well. A uh, good, good buddy of uh, Rich's and a avid pinball enthusiast and collector, as we found out later that evening um, after Rich's uh, family got home and got to meet every uh, everybody. Um, uh, and his family was terrific. Uh, his wife was awesome. His kids were great. Hearing the stories about his uh, savant of a child who is able to, like, finish difficult games without, you know, like, breaking a sweat... And then it was one thing to hear about. It was another thing to see it happening. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just really, really cool to kind of meet all of them and, and, you know, tour the game rooms. And, like, the kids were as excited to, like, show the games as Rich was. So it's really cool to see them just super interested in it. Uh, so after dinner, we went over to uh, Game Rulers No Account Dad's uh, house, which is just across, uh, across the street from Rich. And we popped into the basement. Well, first he kind of showed us the upstairs, some of the cool stuff he's got in the house, and some guitars because he knows I play, and he's got a beautiful Fender acoustic guitar. And then we went downstairs where he has a awesome arcade. Uh, he's got the uh, the Star Wars Episode One racer oh, no with like the actual like Anakin cockpit oh, with yeah. like the two yeah. uh, engine right. uh, thrusters on it. 
He's got, um, I'm not going to be able to remember all of them from memory, but he had a Simpsons pinball. He had the Batman, like the Adam West uh, Batman pinball, which was a lot of fun. He had the Jurassic Park one, which um, I never played before. It's really, really cool. Um, I don't know how many machines do this, but like when the ball gets in the T-Rex's mouth, the entire machine shakes like he roars. And I'm not just talking about like, you know, like rumble or whatever, like the whole machine <laughs> physically shakes. It was so awesome. And then he actually like, you know, like whips the he's like whipping the ball back and forth before he like spits it out at you. It was a really cool mechanic. And uh, he had a Ghostbusters, um, uh, just a lot of really cool machines. And most of the coin op machines he had uh, because um, uh, he's he's uh, I mean, not like I'm a spring chicken, but like he's, he's a little bit older. So they're a little bit earlier than the machines I was used to. A lot of the machines I played were like, you know, early 90s and later. So he had machines mostly from the 80s, um, maybe 70s in there. I had never played Kix before. Oh, yeah. Kix is awesome. So Kix is this weird, it's a QIX, it's this cool game where like, it, it's just, it's basically like you have like the play oh, areas, like a sorry, big rectangle. you're talking arcade, I thought you were talking pinball still. I know Kix. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. So, Kel- yeah Kelsey so, is a Kix expert. Yeah. So, so switching over to the to the coin op stuff. So yeah, I'd never played kicks before. Even like the just yeah, just not a. This is just a regular coin op game, and man, it was you know I had to read the you know I had to read the the attract mode to like figure out how to play it because if you just start it, it's like it's bizarre. What am I even doing here, guys? Come on. So I figured it out, and then uh, so between the weird rando shape that's bouncing around inside like the play that's area the kicks. and the, and the two guys that are like chasing you which i guess are the um the tron motorcycle guys um it like it is stress it's like i don't like stress from playing a game but like i also and same thing like i don't like stress from watching a movie but i also like uncut gems there's like something about that stress that I really enjoy. So Kix is kind of like that for me. I don't like feeling stressed out. I don't like survival horror typically, but something about knowing I could beat it. Like I, I, I can do it. I can do it. Okay. And I, I'm safe. And then figuring out, okay, well, if I stop here and go back here, like I'm going to avoid those guys. But dude, the kicks is unpredictable <laughs> and can jump like you wouldn't believe. And I'm like, Oh, that's so cheap. But then I looked at it and I'm like, no, like he was telegraph. Like I knew, you know, I did the fast move like I was playing with fire. Right. So um, he also had a track and field. Um, he had an Akari Warriors with the working um, cool. uh, dial, uh, which Ooh. I hadn't played one of those in a while. Yeah. Um, uh, well, sorry, I should say I hadn't played the one with the dial ever. So like I'm playing it and him and Rich kind of look over. They're like, oh, you've never played Akari Warriors before. And I was like, no, I have like on Nintendo. And they're like, oh, this Much is better. the the. <laughs> the one with the dial and i was like this is a different game and they're like yeah it is that's why the nes port is so bad because they couldn't translate the controls to the nes controller it's awful yeah well that's not the only reason reason. (laughs) yeah so yeah so i mean the arcade is just top notch and then we didn't get into the console stuff but he has like this tv that's kind of mounted up but it's on one of these mounts that kind of can lower down so you can like drop it down like a couple feet so it's like right in front of the bar and then when you don't want it put it back up um, I popped into uh, uh, Game Ruler's uh, room, which is adjacent to the arcade, and he's got a whole bunch of Lego stuff in there. And I was like, you've come <laughs> to the right place. So he's got like OG, like Anakin and Sebulba, like pod racing sets in there. I was like, dude, those are amazing. He's like, yeah, I've got these and I've got like, there's like a new version and there's the old version. Like I've got them both. And he has every 
amiibo to have been released. Wow. So yeah, they're they're they're. I tried to do that, and uh, I gave up uh, about halfway in. Like, there's there's uh, so many. Yeah, and not like I'm an expert, but you know, you know, like how like Kelsey, you've not made fun of me, but you tease me. Where like the kids are like, "Oh, what's your favorite Pokemon?" And I'm like, "I don't know, Rowlet." And you're like, "That's such a dad answer." <laughs> <laughs> so at least you so, know some. <laughs> yeah. So so he's like, "Oh, like I've got he's, his dad's. Oh, he's got every amiibo." And I'm like, "Oh, you know which one I really like? I, re- I don't know if it's it's probably not rare, but like I really like Rob." And he's like, "Oh yeah." And he pulls Rob out, and then he pulls the Famicom yeah. like one out too. It's like, oh, it's so cool. So yeah, they uh, we definitely had a great time with them. Um, I, I mean, I was surprised we had as much energy as we did because you know I was up at one in the morning, but yeah, so we got through um, got through day one. That was great. Uh, and, and and just a side note on uh, uh, when I have people traveling and staying at my house, I really really try very hard to be a good host, to be accommodating, to make it as little a stressful experience as I can because travel just in its nature is stressful. Um, it's, it's costing people money. They're away from home. It's just this whole thing. And like part of the reason why I try so hard at that is because of how uh, great other people have been when, you know, I've been to, I've been like traveling to their house and I say like, that's, you know, the example, like that's like how I want to be. Uh, Rich is just fantastic. He's like the example of like, uh, you know, how I'd like to, you know, be if I hosted someone. So um, the next morning he, uh, he would like, I was up before him because my body just wakes up when it wakes up, but he comes downstairs and he gets breakfast rolling. We did bagels and uh, uh, you know, like egg on bagel and, um, he had like a Chipotle sauce, which he knows I'm into. And it was beautiful. I don't normally have breakfast. So I had that and I was like, Rich, you could open a food truck. <laughs> and, and his wife was there and, uh, and, uh, she was like, yeah, like rich, rich normally does the cooking. And I was like, Oh, interesting. So yeah, like rich, rich has chops. So I finished the first one and he was like, do you want another? And I was like, I, I don't normally, but yeah, I do. It was delicious. So I had another, so um, the second day was a little bit slower just so because, you know, we we're just pacing ourselves to, you know, get to the um, get to the airport. But same thing, we went to a couple game stores. We went to the Honey Hole 2.0, the even bigger one, where I won't bore you with the list of games that I got because it would just be me saying the letters N, H, L and random numbers for a little <laughs> while. But I got a whole bunch of hockey games that I didn't have. Um, the only one that I held off on was NHL Legacy Edition which I still don't have a copy of. Um, it's not terribly expensive. It's just like more than what you'd expect, you know, like a, a 360 PS3 era hockey game to be. Um, the reason I held off is because it wasn't complete and I don't want to get into the finding a manual game uh, for those eras. So I just held off, but um, got a bunch of games and, uh, uh, and Rich took me to another arcade where I got to play Star Wars Arcade yeah. uh, through to a completion. This was not this was this was not a free play, so I did have to actually complete the game. Um, and then also they had some uh, some pinball there. I had played a few of these before, but I played Metallica. Um, I played um, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, what did they have there? Um, they had Mandalorian. Um, there was a uh, there were Mortal Kombat machines, but I've played that a ton, so I didn't play it. Um, they had um, Double Dragon, uh, which I I hadn't played in a while, so I played that. 
Um, but yeah, it was just a cool arcade. We actually got there a little bit early, so we had to kind of like wait outside. And there was this like big mural of like you know retro games on the on the wall there. It's just really cool area, really cool uh, artwork. Um, and besides like a couple other little uh, thrift shops, um, that was pretty much like most of the places we went. So I guess now I'll go back to the uh, uh, the piece of resistance um, that I got uh, that first day at that Japanese arcade uh, theme store. So we had kind of gone through the whole store, kind of seen everything, and the prices weren't like awful, but they also weren't great. Like I wasn't expecting to find you know like anything like great there. Um, I ended up grabbing um, uh, a big box PC copy of Terminal Velocity, which is not something that I think most people would even like know about. But this is just this is just one of those games that is just always grabbed me. I loved I, it was back from when shareware games were distributed like in in the hundreds on like you know cds that came with magazines and something about this game i fired it up the music is awesome like the gameplay is awesome i still hear the song in my head we've talked uh, uh about it with bickman he's familiar with the game he loves it um i knew that it existed in in big box form but i'd only ever really seen um the uh, uh the jewel case version available so i'm like and i get to their big box pc games and there's like four of them and like i, I kind of scrolling through and i see terminal velocity and i'm like no way so i pull it out expecting it to be you know like i don't know like 50 70 you know like something like that so i look at it and i forget exactly what it was but it was like between like eight and eleven dollars and i was like absolutely so grab that. Um, I ended up buying more than what would fit in my carry on uh, to go back. So Rich ended up shipping it to me. It showed up today. It got a little bit of a crushy uh, on the side of the box, but nothing that I don't think I can just, you know, flatten it and then just, you know, kind of bring it back to life. So. So, yeah, it was it was awesome. Awesome trip. Uh, awesome to see that part of the state. Um, I didn't really have any, you know, uh, experience with North Carolina before um, it was totally awesome it's a really awesome place to go everyone was great um and again even though it was like a whirlwind of a trip where we kind of you know in and out and my wife was nice enough to allow me to go you know on a two-day video game uh, binge with a buddy while she handled three kids back at home so uh but yeah it was just it was a fantastic time and uh yeah can't thank rich enough and uh would love to see him uh, for another Retro World Expo one of these years. I know um, he's not coming this year, um, but uh, but yeah, he's come to several in the past, so I'm, I'm sure we'll get him back up uh, for another one. And possibly Sean as well, who uh, mentioned on the show that he'd like to hit one of those eventually. So, so yep, so that's it for North Carolina. Um, I did want to mention real quick that the LEGO 2600 uh, that has been rumored for a little while has now been confirmed. So it's $240, which is just $10 more than the Lego NES was. And I think it's got some pretty cool features. It doesn't have that like scrolling TV that the Nintendo did, but it's got this like, like pop out feature where you can see like the room where someone, you know, like in the seventies or eighties is playing, uh, like their Atari. It's got several cartridges instead of just the one it's got that little case, like that wooden like style Lego case to store them in. It's got micro builds for each game. So you've got like, you know, like a centipede build and like uh, like one for each of the uh, the games comes with it. Um, I think it looks pretty awesome. Um, I don't know if I'm a day one buyer, but yeah, it's I love how they did the wood grain with the uh, like on the front of the system with, uh, you know, like the dark and the light brown Lego bricks. So, yeah, Uh, definitely, definitely 
uh, very cool. I uh, can't wait to see it in person. Um, and then the last thing I got on here uh, is just like uh, the stuff I've been watching. So uh, movie-wise, I watched uh, Last Night in Soho. Uh, this was on HBO Max. This is an Edgar Wright film. Okay. Uh, it's very, very different than anything he's ever done. So whether you like Edgar Wright or whether you don't like Edgar Wright, don't watch this just expecting it to be an Edgar Wright film because it's it's nothing like anything he's ever done. It's uh, Thomasin McKenzie, um, who's a young actress who I love. She was in uh, Leave No Trace with Ben Foster, and she was in Jojo Rabbit. Okay, I've seen that one. Um, most most recently, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. So she was uh, awesome she's awesome, in that movie. and yeah. yeah, she's amazing. And also in this film is Anya Taylor Joy, um, who is in many things, including The Witch and Queen's Gambit. Most recently, the uh, The Northman. Um, so. In a nutshell, Thomason McKenzie is a fashion school uh, student who's been accepted at a fashion school in London, moves there kind of from the countryside, and she starts having these visions where she's able to like transport back to the I 60s. I actually watched a video on how they did all the shots in that because they had both of them in mirrors all the time. And they're like, how did they do all these shots without seeing camera people around? And they were showing how sometimes they had like yep. a literal mirror on one side, but they, they cut it in half and like CG'd yep. the other half of the mirror. And like, oh, it was really neat. Yeah, because watching it, you know in your mind like there's no way yeah. <laughs> that they could like do a, this a scene because where they were like spinning around here and there's mirrors everywhere and so they would like cg in dancers to cover the spots where the, the cameraman would show up and like it was really neat yeah. yeah it's it's really awesome and it's one of it's so i guess you consider it a thriller or a mystery because like you don't know what's really going on but like and she doesn't know what's going on like she kind of like you know whether she's going to sleep or whether, and, and sometimes broad daylight, she just kind of turns and it's like, she's in the sixties. So without giving too much away, that's kind of the, the initial premise. It just does not go where you think it's going to go. And then even when you think it's going a certain way, it doesn't go that way either. So if you're just interested in like, kind of like a really well uh, made, very interestingly shot uh, uh, film that you could kind of consider, a little bit of a period piece, a little bit of a thriller. Um, I wouldn't say horror, even though there's horror elements, but I don't want to spoil anything. Very, very interesting. So if you have a HBO Max, um, I recommend uh, you give it a shot if any of that sounds intriguing at all. Um, I mentioned before that I watched Conan the Barbarian because it was like one yeah. of the featured movies on the, the TV dashboard. Another movie that was the featured on the TV dashboard, and I was just looking at the screen, and I was like, you know what? I've always seen this movie poster let me give this a shot. So I watched Sniper with Tom Berenger and Billy Zane. So this is like a movie, like a VHS cover that I just yeah. remember. It's just like Tom Berenger's face, right? I don't know anything about this movie except that there are probably snipers in it and, and Tom Berenger is probably one of them. Um, so this is a very, very, very okay <laughs> eight, late 80s, early 90s action film. Um I would not say to anyone, you have to see this. Uh, there was some, you know, there's some cool, cool scenes in it, some cool shots, some cool moments. But yeah, there, there's probably a reason why this isn't on any top 10 best action movies of that period list. But uh, uh, what was interesting about it is as I'm looking up this movie to see like, oh, you know, who directed it when it was made, stuff like that. I found out on IMDb that there's like seven sequels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like... Steven Seagal was in one of them and 
Was it called Maximum Sniper? So it's <laughs> it was un- under under siege sniper. <laughs> I can't do it. Dark territory sniper. No, I can't. <laughs> but yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, it, it was. It was all right. Nice little action movie. And the last thing that I started last night, um, I I watched the raid one a uh, month or two ago when I was kind of like going through some blind spots in my my watching history and. I've heard tons of stuff about the raid and especially the raid Two being one of the better um, action movies ever. So finally started the raid Two last night, my uh, middle guy popped out of bed kind of while I was watching, I paused it and I was like, Hey bud, like this isn't really for you. There's violence, you know, like people get hurt. And he's like, I, I know it's just pretend. I know it's make believe it's going to be okay. So I watched a little bit of the raid Two with uh, my middle guy until it became apparent that we should probably stop the raid too and then continue it another time. It wasn't too bad. It was just like the mud scene. Um, if you've seen the film where like, there's a lot of punching and fighting and kicking and, uh, like real, like nothing, you know, no compound fractures or anything, but just like enough violence where it's like, yeah, no, I, I I think we're going to pause here. So I will continue the raid too. Um, really interesting premise because the, it, it starts right at the end of raid one, like, driving away from raid one and it's kind of like oh like you need to go undercover uh and like no one's gonna know about it so basically they like fake that they don't fake his death they just like leave him out of like all the reports and hope that no one at the police station like remembers that he was there (laughs) like oh who's gonna remember you know there was like 20 some people there who's gonna remember this guy's missing um which is really weird and then he goes to like they put him in prison to like go undercover and like get in with this like crime family like the son of the crime boss so basically and then like it's a very quick the door shut and then three years later it's like damn dude like and then he's it's so yeah it's it's really weird um he's undercover and i'm still just you know kind of kind of like you know figuring out where they even want to go with this but big big crazy action movie i'm a little confused as to everyone in the movie like it appears to be set in jakarta but everyone's speaking spanish and i wonder if it's because it's a brazilian film um i'm not really 100 percent sure on why they're speaking spanish so maybe i'll look into that when it's done but have you guys uh, seen the raid or the raid seen both. i own both love them yeah. So, so am I? Am I crazy? Are they, are they speaking Spanish? Is it Portuguese? It, it sounds like Spanish, not it's Portuguese. Been a few years. I honestly couldn't comment on that. Yeah. I and I, I honestly yeah, don't I, remember I, I, the plot. I just like the fight scenes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Same. And and I was kind of that way about a lot of the movies uh, from that region of the world that I just like, like Ong yeah, Bak. Totally. Uh, like. I just like the fight scenes. I could not, with a gun to my head, I can't tell you what the movie's about. I just remember the fight scenes, right? And same thing, like like Unleashed, Danny the Dog. I adore every fight scene in this movie, but all I can really tell you about it is like there's this guy who's kind of controlled by Bob Hoskins and like that, and he breaks yeah. free. Like that's kind of it, you know? So, but yeah. Um, so I apologize. I know that was a lot to get out, but it was a big, big, busy weekend for me and uh, wanted to, to give credit to Rich for uh, a fabulous hosting job. It was it was a lot of fun. It, it took, you know, it took a few days to kind of recover just from, you know, the travel and like, you know, catching up on some sleep. But uh, I have recovered. I got my 
my my box of goodies that I can go through and add to RF Gen and yeah, happy to uh, happy to have done it. So it's awesome, awesome time. Cool. Well, um, I can probably balance some of that out because I don't know if I've got <laughs> a lot of updates here that are worth talking about. Um, you know, as far as things I've watched, I you know I watched Crocodile Dundee, which we may talk more about maybe in a minute here, so I won't go too far into that. Um, I continue to watch Westworld, uh, the latest season of Westworld, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's very, you know. I don't want to ruin anything. Uh, it's it's just good. It's really good. It's interesting where they take it, and you know, there's kind of a varying plot lines, of course, that will come together at some point in time with the various characters, but they're all kind of off doing their own things, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really it's really pretty cool. It's pretty neat. So uh, I well, I'm glad to keep watching uh, that now that I don't have any star trek or anything to watch right now so i don't know how many i can't remember how many episodes are usually in a westworld season i want to think like 10 or something like that but um i think there's probably like four in or something like that maybe um outside of that i did order the parts and did a recap of my pentium 3 power supply and i redid all the the last fan that was in the power supply on that one um, because it used to sound like a jet engine taking off. Um, as you can imagine, like dirt cheap fans from like the year 2000 don't hold up real well over time. <laughs> it was never quiet to begin with. So, um, I, you know, or put everything that knocked your fans in and everywhere on that thing. So now it's, you can barely even tell the thing is on. I was just going to say, like, I was just going to say Noctua as a joke, but then you were like, yeah, I put Noctua <laughs> fans in it. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, they're not expensive and they're yeah, quiet. Yeah, that's right? true. So. Exactly. It, it used to be like an enthusiast part and now it's like, they're yeah. not that much more expensive. Yeah, like they're 15 just, bucks or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay, fine. Um, and I had to do a little rewiring to, you know, with that one to get it to work inside the power supply with the plug and everything. But mm -hmm. yeah, um, if you're into anything of that era, I would say, yeah, you should definitely look inside your power supply. The, mm -hmm. the, the capacitors inside this were like the cheapest garbage brand Chinese knockoff crap that you could ever imagine. Cause mm -hmm. they know, right? You're not looking inside of there. They put the big warning stickers, right? We're going to fry yourself if you open this thing. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I just, I don't think they could have. Like, I even had to laugh. Like, one of the brands of capacitors is Rulicon. So if you, <laughs> if you know, like, good capacitor brands, like, Rubicon is what you're looking for. And, like, they mm -hmm. use the same script and everything. So if yeah. you would just kind of glance. But, no, I, there were just tons of more bad in yeah. there. And, uh. That's that's a big thing in arcade cap kits too. It's like you're looking for like the 105 degree, you know, ones like the ones that like big temperature uh, thresholds. Like because uh, power supplies not being regulated forever, it's like oh, it's a 500 watt power supply. Yeah, 500 watts at like 40 degrees. Like what happens when it gets up to the actual operating temperature? It's like oh, well then it's only like 240 watts. You know, like. There's there's uh, there's so much shenanigans that happens in uh, in the power supply world. 
Yeah, so if you've got some older computers sitting around. You know, it's funny, because, like, the ones I have from, like, the 80s and stuff, not so bad. But, like, this one, oh, my God, like, just cheap crap mm. uh, inside of there. So, anyway, now that machine is pretty much all done. Um, and I, you know, just a little more cleanup work on it. But it's going to be my machine to, you know, like, do disk images and stuff when I need to produce floppies for other weird older computers and, and things of that nature. Um, so uh, I've got pretty much everything I wanted to do with that one. Probably still looking for a few oddball things if I can find them cheap, but I'm not looking to invest truckloads of cash into it. So, uh, yeah, it works fine. I don't know. I'm even considering, like, I know those Voodoo cards are still worth a little bit. And, uh, some of them is like, ah, I should probably just sell that card and swap in a cheaper one because I'm not looking to play you know, 3D games of that era or anything on it. But... Card, let me know. Might be interested. Oh, uh, okay. Well, it's a, it's a Voodoo 3. Um, it's got the TV in and all that stuff. But, yeah, I don't know. If I do that, I've, I've got another, like, AMD card, AGP one that I could swap in. And I'm running Windows 98, and I'm not going to be doing any gaming on it, so I don't really give a crap. Um, but anyway... Uh, but yeah, Kelsey. So if you're if you're running a rig like that, you should. Uh, I would highly recommend pop that power supply open, and get spend a few minutes going through it. Um, and then outside of that, gameplay wise, I've been playing like a ton of Triangle Strategy. I think the last time we talked, I was just getting ready to start yeah. that or something. Burned like, through these last couple weeks. weeks. Yeah, and so I finished um, my first playthrough earlier today, actually. And I had about 60 hours in altogether to get all the way through wow. that game. That's like and twice what I put into it Yeah, for the first run. Well, I I did a lot of grinding, and I mean, that's kind of like how I like to play those games, right? I want to like keep all my characters leveled up. I didn't really just like, oh, I'm just going to ignore these characters and never use them kind of thing. I want to see what they're all about, try them out. And I'm glad I did because some of the characters I found that I, at the beginning I thought they were trash. And then later on I'm like, wow, no, these really shine like later on. Um, and, you know, I don't know if we want to spend a whole lot of time talking about that right now because um, I know you've finished a couple cycles of it. But, like, you know, for one example, like Archibald, right? When I first got him, I thought, like, oh, God almighty, this guy's killing me. He can't move. He can't do anything. Later on, if you've got him fully fleshed out and he can get to a height, oh my god, he can just destroy <laughs> things. I mean, he's got like this perk where like he'll every time he kills something, he he gets uh, like he gets stronger. You know, like he can do more damage, he gets a, a buff, and his range is insane up high. And he has this one ability where he can basically just about hit anything on the map. Uh, and yeah, you can just leave him in a spot. And so he's like an old guy. Like, how am I going to get him into some of these spaces? Like, there's other, like, an archer that's like on a bird and stuff. Okay, I can get him a pie in these situations. Well, there's another character I thought that was trash. You remember, like, Hosabara? I liked her. I used her a lot. Yeah. Okay. Like, her last ability is the one where, like, she can fling people to different places. So you just get her, you throw him up like at the top of like a building or something and he just sits and just rains death and like hardly anything can touch him so it's just neat how they've they, so many little 
Because I thought, like, when I saw that ability, I'm like, throw people. I'm like, what would on earth would I do with this? And then the first time I'm like, oh, my God, this is why. Because, <laughs> like, some characters can't vertically go anywhere, right? And so you're like, oh, my God. Um, so I really like, there's only, like, maybe one character that I think so far that I've got that I'm kind of like, God, it's really hard to make her work. Picoletta. It's just a character that there's only a couple instances where she makes any sense. And because she can throw your attack items really far. So there's like a one level I have where, you know, it's like a bunch of water and you can like electrify all the bad guys and stuff in it. And so like, you could just put her back and just kind of keep throwing like these thunderstones out and just frying guys like crazy. But most of the time, not great. But I would say pretty much every other character I could find really good use cases for and bring them in. And like characters like uh, uh, Yins or whatever, right? Yins or whatever his name is. It looks like it starts with a J, but it's not how you pronounce it. Um, he's like the guy that has like the traps and the ladders and everything. I might have missed him. That doesn't sound familiar. Oh, okay. I didn't know you could miss him. But anyway, like, he has traps and everything that are there. And, like, first, I'm like, how am I going to make this work? And then later, you're, there's, like, lots of instances where they work fantastically. Um, because you get, like, ones that, like, knock guys back. Or, obviously, you, like, position them where it just knocks them off of places and things. And half the time, you can kill them from drop damage. And, uh, anyway, that's going to lead into our discussion here in just a minute uh, of the topic for today. But I really enjoy Triangle Strategy. I'm going to take your your track, I think, for New Game Plus and just put it on very easy. Just so I can kind of see some of the other storylines and play around with some of the other stuff. Because I played through it on normal, yeah, like, the first time through. And some of the challenges, some of the, level, the fights got kind of challenging. I mean, not to the point where, like, oh, this is, I'm going to you know, pull my hair out or anything. But they, I had a couple of them start up where I got to the point where I got a little ways into them. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to restart because now I see kind of how this works and I want different characters and and whatever the case is. You're like, okay, I did not build properly for this fight. And once you kind of know it, like the one with, um, I don't know if you fought the one with Avl- where you had to fight Avlora. Yes. On a um, no? Okay. No. I had to fight her like at the palace. Uh, okay, I've done palace. two runs, and I, th- I think I did do a palace one as well. But yeah, you fight her in different areas depending and on like, what route you take the story. Yeah, but though I, the, um, like the first time I did that one, like I, she just slaughtered the crap out of me. I'm like, what the heck? And then I like paid attention to like, oh my god, look, there's water everywhere. Duh. Um, so you know once you rebuild for that it was that was not bad but I like that it really if you play the game on normal it makes you think you can't just click buttons bash people win right you have to like play the game and think strategically about what you're doing and um, I can't imagine hard hard would probably be a real challenge if I had to imagine I'd I don't think I'll try it. I'm not really that interested, but um, but I don't know. I, I mean, because you ran through, you played through that fast. I mean, you ran a couple times through that really fast. But um, I don't know. I would really recommend Triangle Strategy 
if uh, if that sounds interesting to you. And uh, Kelsey, I don't know what your thoughts are about yeah, that. I'm really positive on it too. Um, it didn't quite. I was really hoping I would love it as much as I loved Octopath Traveler. It's not to that level, but I really enjoyed my time with it. See, and I'm complete opposite. <laughs> um, yeah, like I just didn't love a lot of the characters. There was only like there's I don't know what forty or something characters, and I think maybe like two or three. I was like, I like these guys. Uh, so most of the cast I just didn't connect with. It didn't have the music for me either. Um, oh, I really like the music. Like there's two or three tracks that stood out to me instead of like the whole soundtrack. Um, but like you said, the gameplay was probably the best part. Uh, it, it was fun, not overly complex, which sometimes bogs me down. It was just enough complexity. Like you said, you can you can find these really cool character interactions where they work well together. They offer you up some easy ones at the start so you can understand that. Like uh, was it Aragor and Anna? They worked really well together in the first part of the game. And so you're like, oh, okay, what other characters can I kind of team up and, and uh, do some interesting things with? Uh, the branching paths for the stories were really cool. Like the first time I went through it, I think you, me, and Mike all played a really similar path the first run through. And then the second one, I specifically made like very opposite choices. So like... I burnt down like three cities on my way to the end. Like they don't exist anymore. <laughs> like basically, <laughs> yeah, oh it was pretty nuts that they let you go like as dark as you could sometimes. Cause there, there's like it's pretty dark story. The nice path too. Like if you do like so when you're in Wolfert, there's a mission uh, where you're getting attacked by Avlora, and you can choose, like, you don't have to do this, but you can choose to uh, activate these statues. And what they do is they put a perimeter around the houses in Wolfort. Yeah, I, use, I used one to kill, a, a so kill I her. I did all yeah. of them. I torched the whole place to the ground. All there of them? There was no Wolfort left after. <laughs> and oh then my later God. on, uh, when you're trying to take Glenbrook back, uh, one of the options you can do is you can just not go to Glenbrook. You can go up the river destroy the dam and flood the whole city and so you kill like yeah. you try and you send uh, benedict down to like get the residents out but like the city's gone like it just flooded over and then when we went to attack um Gustadoff at the end uh, he's in their their uh home city i can't remember what that one was called now um s frost so they're in the s frost capital and uh, Dragon is pissed. No, Dragon's the one who died in the mines. His dad uh, is yeah. pissed uh, and Sparag. kind of realizes like what went hap- how it happened. And so he detonates his secret weapon uh-huh. in Astrost and just melts the entire mountain. There's like lava flowing through the city, <laughs> just like tearing everything apart. So I yeah, I just like left. I'm gonna have to go back and play through and see all this because Norzelia. I think I want to probably this next run look at a guide or something. I want to see what kind of the good ending yeah, works out. And I, then I'll, I didn't yeah, look I'll up a path, but I did trash, see but... something. There's something called the Golden Path, I guess. And I think that's it takes you to the best ending and recruits every possible character along the way, too. Oh, okay. Because I, I, now that I. Um, I've gone through. Yeah, I want to start looking at some stuff and seeing like who else I can 
pull in and i mean yeah i it's just i i i'm amazed that this game was really good and just didn't seem to get much buzz uh, didn't get talked about a lot i don't think square or nintendo put much effort into no, trying to make it anything really as well as they did with octopath yeah. that's for sure yeah, it's like they just kind of like, mm, all right, here's the thing. It's it's almost like they thought the people who want to play this game are going to find out about it, and we're not going to convince anyone else to play it, so we're not going to try. It's really, it's, yeah, it just strikes me strange because mm-hmm. it's really well done. I don't feel like it's a throwaway title or it's something they just halfway did it. Or No, I mean, they, for what, if you want a 32-bit turn-based strategy RPG that's got some cool story you have a lot of agency all the voting sections were really neat i thought and it was kind of cool trying like it wasn't hard to do once you figured out how it worked but it was cool to try and convince like your team to like go along with you because otherwise they'll have their own ideas of how things should play out and i mean it's a dark story it is not your typical jrpg everybody's gonna be great and we're gonna save the yeah. world and yeah it's it, not like that at all it starts dark and, and, it just and a lot of times darker. when things happen you're just like yeah like towards the end like benedict yeah right i was like who is this right i mean you're just like he just like just turned into some kind of a monster almost you know you're like yeah, it's just kind of wild how some of the stuff could. And yeah, I kept waiting, like, oh, I'm going to face off against Gustadolf at some point in time. And at the end, I'm fighting Edor. And I'm like, I, I didn't fight Gustadolf okay. at all. Round, second round uh, is where I fought him. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, he seems, you know, he's always like the big bad. And you don't do anything with him. I guess with this path that I took. And like I said, like, you get a lot of choices in it so um yeah i'm really enjoying that so um if anybody's listening if any of that if you just want something that's you know if that sounds like up your alley um yeah i'd highly recommend it highly um so so real quick about your your said you wanted to look at a guide for like the like the like the good ending or like the most (laughs) you know so wouldn't wouldn't you just choose all of the blue dialogue choices and then you would get the good ending? There, there's no Paragon Renegade. Oh. So how do, you, a, how do you do that's it? A, that's the whole thing. Like, the choices you make. Okay, sometimes, like, you think this is probably the good path to take. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you take it and you're like, Oh, I didn't yeah. go at all like I thought it was gonna go. Yeah. And I, yeah. even sometimes you like even you're like you're messing things up worse. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, those like so the uh, I've I've probably mentioned this before. It might have been a while, but the, some of the best choices in games, like I feel like a lot of the good choices are like, like, do you want to save the children or do you want to murder the children? And it's like, well, I mean, yeah. you know, this it's that's a black and white, right? Uh, my favorite choices. Uh, were from Dragon Age Inquisition, uh, the first one. So many choices where I had to like put down the controller and think about it. They're both bad choices. 
I don't want to do either one of these things, but I have to do it. Like those are cool. Those are interesting. Taking someone into your party who has been an enemy, potentially losing someone in your party who you care about because you're taking someone on like actual personal uh, choices that you're making that have political and big game, uh, you know, impact. Like that's the interesting stuff. Totally. Well, yeah, like, you know, like what Kelsey's talking about with that flood. I mean, I got that choice, mm-hmm. but you're thinking like, that's horrible. Yeah. Like, why like, would I to do get that? that city back, you had three choices. I think it was like, just storm the city, uh, sneak in through the passage that only the Royals know about and like kind of assassinate. No, you, you could, you, you had that one. You could blow up the bridge and negotiate. Right. Cause you're trapping the army and, and then, then yeah, blow, blow up, up the, the dam. dam. Yeah. None of them are like, Peaceful. And so like, to me, all like to yeah, yeah, like to me, like okay, well, if I sneak in, right, that's like the best way. Mm. Right? I could take the guys out and like minimize the damage. No, <laughs> it wasn't that great. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I won, but uh. like, there's consequences mm-hmm. that you're like, oh god, well, this didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. Because mm. I thought the other one, I'm like, okay, well, if I blow up the damn that's gonna be horrible like tons of people will be di- dead right and i thought like well if i they're not gonna negotiate with me i'm like these are the people that like killed all these like but that's it like it, they're not one-dimensional characters mm-hmm. and uh yeah like the choices you get sometimes it's not just one they're never like black and white mm-hmm. and like all the characters are giving you like this is why we should do this right i yeah. you should go this way and yeah, the other cool. one will be like, no, 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 yeah. that's a like, horrible idea. Three, like kind of countries, and like the one that you belong to, like there's terrible people that belong to your country that you kind of have to figure out how to work with sometimes, yeah. and vice versa. Like mm. when you retake the castle, like a lot of the citizens are like, we actually had it pretty good under those other guys. Like, what are you going to do for us? And they're not super thrilled that yeah. you're back. <laughs> right? You're like, but, but they're the bad guys, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, that was pretty good for us. So, yeah, I I would say it's not what I, gameplay wise, you know, it's fairly what I expected, but um, story wise, no. Yeah, it sounds uh, and, super and in a good way. In a good way, yeah, I would say definitely give this one a, a, a go. So um, that's going to lead into our main topic, which we're going to get to in just a moment. But um, I. Bill, I know you wanted to have another little talk in here before we before we dig into that. So yeah, um, I just uh, I thought it'd be a good time to uh, to get into like a little regular rhythm um, of uh, uh, we've been doing a uh, a monthly movie, um, and then we we had an extra credit movie. So we spoke about um, our thoughts on uh, Miami Vice uh, last time through, um, and then actually um, also the um, uh, the the Megadeth multiverse of macadamia nuts of madness. <laughs> I believe we, uh, we spoke on that as well. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to, uh, just take a minute and just do thoughts on, um, the, uh, July movie. Um, so, uh, uh, were you guys able to, uh, watch Bob's yes. burgers? So I'll have to be silent on this okay. one because I did not get a chance to watch Bob's Burgers, but uh, so, you guys go ahead. So Kelsey and I will jam about Bob's Burgers for just a couple minutes. Um, and, and just in case you're, uh, you're wondering, this is just a, a, 
you know, just a thing we do. We just throw a movie in the movie night uh, uh, room in the Discord. Um, so for for patrons uh, to jump in there and just kind of you know chat movies, we thought we'd do like a a, a monthly movie. So shows Bob's uh, Burgers. Um, this is not a show that I have ever watched. Um, I was kind of familiar with the premise that. Uh, uh, H. John Benjamin, um, who's a voice actor that I know from many, many things, uh, is in it. But just nothing about the show, like, ever, like, pulled me in and said, like, I've got to watch this. But uh, I saw some reviews for Bob's Burgers, uh, the Bob's Burgers movie, and the words I was looking for were, were you don't need to have any, you know, history with the show or, like, really know the characters. It, it probably helps because you know some of their personalities and their some of their isms and stuff like that, but it's not necessary. And I can confirm, having no history with the characters, I was able to uh, watch and enjoy uh, this film. So um, I, uh, we, we do movie night with my kids every Friday. And so we were deciding, I said, guys, what about Bob's Burgers? And they were like, no, I don't know, that, sounds, that doesn't sound good. So I put on the trailer for Bob's Burgers, and it wasn't actually a trailer for the movie. It was a short film where, the, where they go to like the talent show. Um, so it's like a five minute short, you know, short film. Uh, and my kids were sold once they start singing their song at the talent show. And it's about like their butts and their butts are singing because their butts have fevers. (laughs) So my kids at that point were like, absolutely like sign me up. So, uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, this is a fun movie. Um, it's not something uh, that I would, you know, maybe recommend for everyone. Um, not everyone's into like that kind of animated, um, fairly dry humor. Um, there's a lot of things that I really wouldn't expect that I would have laughed at, but like just because <laughs> yeah. of the way, you know, like the movie like kind of presents it, yeah. you just kind of give just 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 give a chuckle. Like the the guy who voices Gene, like the 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 son. At first, I thought it was Patton Oswalt. It's not Patton Oswalt. He just like kind of sounds like him. Um, I forget the guy's name, but I've, I've seen what he looks like. Just his delivery. It's just so it's so crisp. It's so good. Um, and same thing. Like I, I didn't think when I first started hearing the voice of the wife, I was like, "This is never going to be funny to me." I, uh, this, she it, was I just so doesn't jive with me. But yeah, after like just a few like scenes with her, I was like, "She's yeah. so great." <laughs> So I was in like pretty early on and like the fact that my kids were interested was great. So we actually only watched the first half of it uh, last Friday because I had to get up at 1 a.m. And then we watched the second half of it just this past Friday. So just finished it um, uh, yesterday. Uh, So, um, yeah, so without getting too spoilery, since we're still kind of like, you know, in July and if people still want to watch it. It's basically so Bob's Burgers has this uh, and since we finished the film, we watched several episodes of the TV show. So I didn't realize that this is like a running joke in the show that like things happen that cause problems at Bob's Burgers and they have to like close down and reopen like season one, episode one, the intro credits. It's like grand opening telephone pole like hits the store grand re reopening. Uh, you know, like flood comes in, re 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 reopening. You know, it's so, like that's the that's the premise of the show. Is like there's always some problem causing them to have issues, and like, oh, are we going to be able to pay the rent to their landlord, Mister Fish Odor? Um, so uh, it's 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 a fun show. Um, we we the few episodes we watched after the uh, movie was over were were enjoyable. So um, basically, the movie opens up, and 
the problem is there is a massive they they, they they're not going to make enough money to like pay the rent and they're very upbeat they're about to go over to the it's the public mortgage guy like too, at the bank yep yep there's a big thing happening they got prospects they know they're going to be doing and so they're, they're going to the bank they're happy they're go they're singing a song this is going to be the and, and the song they sing kind of like the south park movie where it kind of like introduces you to all the characters and everyone's really happy and upbeat so it's like you know bob has a verse and tina has a verse and eloise and gene and you kind of learn like what all of their things like oh like I, this is the summer that i'm finally going to do this or like i'm finally going to get the girl or i'm finally going to i've invented this instrument <laughs> and the music is going to take off because of it it's like everyone's got their different thing and then um like they get to the bank and it's like oh like can we have this loan extension please and the bank's like nope case closed done like and so now it's like oh man like what are we going to do how are we going to get through this and they're like don't worry we got this huge event there's going to be like hundreds of people like coming in the store it's, it's going to be a problem and then like right at that moment like a massive sinkhole opens up in front of the store <laughs> so you can't get into bob's burgers anymore except through like a back alley so that kind of sets up uh, uh the rest of the movie where there there's a lot of twists and turns but like that, that, that that's kind of where it starts so i don't know how spoilery we want to get with people like still trying to watch but so I'll, I'll stop talking for a minute and I'll, I'll let you tell us, Kelsey, what your history was with the property and uh, uh, how you felt about the characters uh, once you started uh, getting to know uh, them. So my history was years and years ago at my last job, someone would sometimes leave the TV on that I worked with and occasionally an episode of Bob's Burgers would be on and I'd catch the last half of it. Mm -hmm. I think I've seen the last half of like four or five episodes. And like it was like, ah, oh, that's funny, but I never <laughs> went out of my way to like watch it. Um, yeah. Yeah. but I, I enjoyed it enough that when you announced this one, I was like, Oh cool. That, you know, there should be at least a few chuckles. Um, and there was, and mm. I don't know if it's just because I've been striking out so hard with older comedies lately. It was just really nice to watch something fun and laugh throughout the whole thing. It wasn't just like mm. one good joke in there. It was like lots of them. Like I, I laughed 10 or 12 times during it. And sometimes like things that in retrospect, you know, I should have seen coming like, like uh there were songs in the movie so i should expect more songs in the movie but they would catch me off guard every time i didn't think one was going to start <laughs> like, oh, yeah. singing and dancing now especially the last one with the uh Fischler's brother dancing and like dancing way too hard while he was singing like that really yep. got me for some reason yep i i will totally agree with like the like have you ever laughed at something and then you tell you like explain to someone why you were laughing and it's just like crickets and they're like like why are you laughing it doesn't sound like it was funny like something would happen and like sarah was laughing out loud i was laughing out loud or like you just kind of chuckle and then i thought about explaining that joke to someone and i'm like it doesn't land because like the reason it's funny is because their delivery the situation and you kind of have to know their personality you have to know that it's Gene saying it and that he's weird. And like, you have to know that, you know, like the, you just, you need just a small <laughs> amount of context. But like, once you have that context, like one of the things that like just caught me off guard and was great. Like Gene has all these one liners that are like, it's almost like Carl, uh, from, um, 
uh, Carl Pilkington, uh, if you know the guy, um, he's like buddies with Ricky Gervais and just, he doesn't mean to be funny. Just the things that he says are just hilarious and, and brilliant and genius. Um, so like, uh, like, uh, <laughs> where like, um, they can't flush the toilet because of like the pipes are leaking. So like, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, it's like, uh, like, uh, like, uh, like, well, we, we can't flush the toilet. So like, I'm going to go use the bathroom first. And it's like, no, like, like I want to use it first. And Jean's like, I want to use it last. I want to be the cherry on yeah. top. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just looking at each other like, <laughs> oh, it's so good. So, uh, but yeah, so again, without getting too spoilery, you've got the Bob's family who's trying, like everyone in the family's trying to, you know, like make some money so they can, you know, continue owning Bob's Burgers place. You've got their like regular customer who is, this is a new character to me, but after, you know, watching the show a little bit, he's a recurring character. He's like their, their number one customer is there every day. He gets in on it and he's trying to help them and, you know, makes a burger and like the same thing. At first I wasn't like super into this character. The more time I spend with him, the more endearing he is. And he's just a sweetheart. Um, and, uh, uh, so he comes in and helps out fish odor is like your stereotypical kind of like out of touch billionaire you know like driving everywhere in like a golf cart and like you know has his like uh like his, his brother and his cousin and like all his like, like the, all the rich family people with him and just the way they talk it's just, it's so out of touch but it's so exactly you know perfectly accurate uh or uh uh it's perfect for that for that character and just there's some twists that happen where like uh, there ends up being remains found of a body and like now it's a murder mystery and now this person is accused and now it's it's so there's some cool twists and there's there's some just really, really good humor in there that that just is different than other stuff that's out there. Like some of it takes its time where uh, instead of just delivering the joke right away there'd kind of be like a back and forth where like they're looking at each other and he's like, Hmm, go over there. Like go over here. Like, I don't, I can't explain it. It's uh, it's, it was just refreshing. And, uh, I, I found myself really enjoying it. And the kids are like, we want to watch the show now. So yeah, I think it's kind of converted me uh, to a bit of a fan. And if you can take, I wouldn't even call it like crass or, or, um, uh, or I, I would definitely call it immature, but I wouldn't call it like vulgar, yeah, like, you know, how like South Park kind of walks that line where it's like more towards the inappropriate stuff. It's just like slightly off color uh, with its humor. Um, but yeah, it's I, I would encourage anyone, even if you haven't been like drawn into the property before, I would I would give it a some shot. The, it's some of the jokes surprising. that were so subtle. got me really good, too. Like th- there's one scene where mm. Fischota's brother is talking with, I assume, his girlfriend uh, and she like she's not in the movie, but she makes a comment. She's like, "I'm going to be wearing shorts that look like a hat and a hat that looks like shorts." And then when you're watching the credits, it's got all the characters dancing for different parts, and there's just a woman dancing with shorts that look like a hat and a hat that looks like shorts. Yeah, <laughs> I've forgotten about that because it was like a throwaway line from like 40 minutes earlier. Yeah, and that's the thing too is like so many of the jokes aren't like you know like but um. Tss punchline jokes like they're just they're very subtle and very clever so it's hard for me to even like remember a lot of the punchlines because they're just they're very quick and they happen and you just get a chuckle and you keep going and uh like just like the stuff with the health inspector 
and like you know like the guy shows and he's like can i have a hot dog and like they're like oh it's the health inspector we're not supposed to be doing this duck and then everyone ducks including like the guy who's like ordering a hot <laughs> yeah. dog and it's like all right we gotta go over here and he's like even me like no like what are you doing <laughs> it's just everything is so silly and and so great and uh yeah uh i i would i mean we we've had you know we've had a couple that uh uh, like are a little bit on the heavier side. So like, as far as just getting some lighter material and, uh, it, it was, again, it was pleasantly surprising. Um, I would say, give it a shot. Um, it's on Hulu. Uh, what did you end up watching it on? Cal? I is came it, to uh, what's Disney it on up plus there? up here, uh, like a week after you picked it. So it was perfect timing. Awesome. Very cool. So yeah, so that's Bob's burgers. Um, the, uh, the uh, the next movie that we'll be speaking about on the next show um, is going to be uh, so yeah we, we mentioned uh, that uh, a few of us have already watched uh, Crocodile Dundee one and two I have not made it through both of these but those are the extra credit movies uh, so we we have a few thoughts uh, shared on those already but we'll we'll give those a little bit more of an in depth look uh, next time we talk awesome um, all right well so. To get into uh, the topic for this show, uh, since I've been playing a lot of Triangle Strategy, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about strategy games in general um, and get a little bit farther, our our thoughts, our history, our preferences. Um, Obviously, through conversations and over the years, I know that both of you do enjoy strategy games and sometimes of different types, but that's okay. And so... um, what I'd like to start with first is I'm going to include both. So I'm going to include turn-based and real-time strategy, even though I know to a degree they're different animals. Um, but I think the idea in your head, though, is still very similar, right? It's about units and positioning and opportunities and... Um, counteracting or or trying to be a step ahead of your foe and uh, so you know I, I think they play out differently and how you you use your tactics but the the mental power behind it is still very similar mm-hmm. right and uh, either your tactics are good or they're bad and <laughs> and you'll have to you know pay the price as far as that goes so, you know, t- kind of getting started talking about those those two probably major divisions within strategy games, you know, I, I don't think we have to explain them. People know what they are, but I just want to go around the table and get some ideas about what your personal preferences are uh, when it comes to turn-based versus strategy. So, Kelsey, uh, no, sorry, turn-based versus real-time. So, Kelsey, where do you where do you fall and what are your thoughts on, on both of those? I grew up with the real-time as my introduction and spent more time with that in my youth, but I've totally switched now. And I, I think that's not really preference. It's just those RTS games don't really come out a lot anymore. And they're not a huge genre these days. Whereas uh, lots of companies have figured out how to make more tactic style, slower turn-based games uh, for all sorts of different um, properties. So I play more turn-based now, but I don't, I don't really have a preference between the two. I, I enjoy both uh, quite a bit. Uh, like you said, they kind of scratch different itches, though. Um, yeah, like I like. When's the last like big RTS game that came out? Was it StarCraft Two? Like, has there been anything? 
kind of weird how that there's like an ebb and flow, right? I mean, you had a lot of turn-based strategy games, lots of them in the 80s and then the early 90s, and then like RTS blew up mm. in the 90s, right? And it was everything. And then again, like it in the 2000s, that started to slow back down again. And now we're back to the other side of the site where, you know, turn-based is yeah. all over the place. So um, I imagine there will be another big one at some point in time. Somebody will revive Command and Conquer mm. or, or something, right? Somebody will make so. it work uh, at some point in time. I remember but, when I was doing reviews, um, yeah. I got to review a game called Lorn Sword. I was really excited about because it was a single-player RTS game. Uh, and it was kind of like a North mythology kind of uh, theme to it. It looked really cool. It ended up being kind of bland and boring, but uh, I'm I'm really craving like a really good RTS, like a new one to come out. I think and wow me. Mm. Okay, I didn't know you had uh, such a penchant for RTS, but mostly uh... nostalgia at this point because I haven't played a new one in so long. But like played so much Dune 2000, mm-hmm. Warcraft, uh, Galactic Battlegrounds, like a ton of those kind of games when I was a kid. And yeah, I'd love the new one to kind of to bring that back for me. Okay, cool. How about you, Bill? Yeah, so I have always uh, leaned towards the turn-based stuff, uh, but not because I think turn-based is better. It's like, to me, like if, if the game is good and I enjoy it and I don't feel uh, the pressure... Um, uh, which I know is part of the game, like is to, you know, you, to feel like you need to be efficient. You need to, you know, like make smart decisions. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's the experience I'm looking for is to put thought into what I'm doing. And that doesn't always happen in like a split second. Um, so, uh, but there, there's certainly RTS, um, that I've enjoyed, but I do lean towards uh, the turn based, uh, uh, stuff, but like like Kelsey said, I mean, it's hard to think of like when I was kind of putting together a list, like some of the stuff that I had played. Most of it on PC. Like, there's some console, you know, strategy stuff out there, but like they're they're kind of outliers. Um, so much of it is PC, and there's and there's a, a handful that I am familiar with the um, series and would like to give it a try but like just you know haven't gotten around because it's strategy is tough because it's not like you know grabbing metroid zero mission and saying i'm going to try a metroid game and then you play metroid game for a few hours and it's like all right i played that metroid game like it's it's a big commitment uh jumping into a strategy world so like it can be a little scary especially it like you know, even when like you guys start playing triangle strategy and it's like oh, i might decide i might want to play that and it's like oh i don't know it's like play through one play through two you know like lot like lots of stuff going on there so uh but yeah it's um uh but yeah just just you know knowing what i know about myself and and some of the experiences i've had with uh um uh even turn-based stuff that has elements of strategy that i do not like so to me it's more about the elements and you know like what i'm feeling while i'm playing as opposed to like strictly real-time or turn-based so yeah i'm I'm, op- okay. I'm open to a little bit of everything cool um for me i definitely have a lot more exposure to turn-based mm-hmm. games um so i would say that's probably the way i i lean and keep going back to those kind of games i i don't know if i necessarily 
dislike RTS. Probably the only RTS I've played with any depth was the original Command and Conquer mm. when that came out, and I did I did like playing that. I played it quite a bit, um, but I think kind of like what you're talking about, Bill. That that frantic, frenetic pace, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you can't stop. I can't take a breath. Yeah. Yeah. It has to keep moving. Um, and and the and the way they judge like per, like pro StarCraft players with like actions per second it's like wait yeah. what do you mean actions per second how many actions do i need to do every second so when i was a kid i had a friend who was so yeah. good at starcraft he would like show off when they're playing multiplayer so he'd be winning the match and in the chat he'd be typing song lyrics to like theme songs from tv shows that he remembered to, like just to like tease the other players it was, it was really funny to watch yeah yeah and i i just um I don't find a lot of fun in that kind of pressure, mm-hmm. right? And when I'm looking to play a game, usually I'm looking to de-stress, right? Or or at least get a different kind of of feeling going. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, all games involve a little amount of stress, Absolutely. right? But it's very different than the other parts of stress in my life, yeah. right? Uh, it's nothing that's going to to kill me or right. <laughs> or you know cause big harm to me or, or my yeah. family. You know, yeah. it just might frustrate me. For let's let's just say I've got a bunch of examples in the likes versus dislikes section of this talk. Sure, but yeah, I'm totally sure. with you. Yeah. So, um, I but I would say I've played a lot of I I would think at least a pretty reasonable amount of turn-based strategy games. And I, I really like them, and they kind of have some different flavors to them. But, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I do enjoy my time with them. So I guess that's going to lead me over then to really talking about kind of our first exposures to strategy game. The strategy games, like what was the first big one you played, and how did that kind of impact your, your way to keep going with that genre? So, Kelsey, what, how about you? I think you? the first one I played was probably Rampart, if you'd call that a, an RTS. Oh, I don't even think kind I would have, yeah. but yeah. Um, okay. like, I remember playing it a little bit, uh, only multiplayer, um, but really fun. Got really hooked on that one for the weekend we had it. Uh, and then my neighbor across the street had uh, Heroes of Might and Magic 2 on his computer. And that one really hooked us for a while, since we could play that longer and it was like a big sprawling story so we we would just it didn't matter which one of us was playing we just like to watch each other play it too um but the first one i actually got to like just sink into myself was probably dune 2000 and also my first exposure to dune and it was like i still have most of my dune lore basis is like based off that game which i thought was really cool because i could still watch the movies and I'm like oh, yeah, i remember that um yeah like they <laughs> That one as a single player experience is really neat. Like you're talking about all the stresses and I get those kind of stresses if I'm playing the multiplayer, but when I'm playing them single player, I don't feel that kind of pressure from them. They're more about exploration and some of the later stages can get pretty mm-hmm. frantic, but early on, like you're just literally like, let's go find some resources and I'm going to build a turret because something's going to come attack me at some point. Like they, they don't really, I don't feel mm-hmm. the pressure in, in the first uh, bunch of those games and they're just fun to, and relaxing to, uh, build up your army and then go have it swarm something smaller than you and just watch that that crumble <laughs> so i didn't realize that you had such a big start with yeah, rts I played Command and Conquer um, too. Um, we had a little uh 
like internet cafe kind of place where I lived and only lasted for a year but we used to go play Warcraft there and like land up uh, with that like every weekend for, for quite a while I got really into Warcraft 1 through 3 for the time that thing existed oh well I've definitely learned something I had no idea that you spent and that kind of time playing uh, my dad bought us Civilization 2 and we used to take turns on that for months on end playing through these huge campaigns yeah, I don't know if I'd call that. I don't know. I, to me, in my mind, like the Civ I games mean, are kind of their own. I call them turn-based, different kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I think of those as like a empire like building, a civilization yeah. building, right? Yeah. It's like it's not it's not focused on right. combat only, right? You have tech, and you've got all sorts of other stuff that come into that uh, diplomacy. There's another one, and uh, similar to like civilization and like Harvest Moon, like. I know those are getting kind of way outside of what we're talking about, but they're, they're kind of related. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you would put that in, because like, I would never think of Civ as fitting into that, but I can see the components that you're talking about, right? So, definitely. Cool. So, how about, how you, how about, you, <laughs> how about you, Bill? Where did you get started with these things? So, I got started by watching other people play games that I uh, didn't play um, so I was mainly um, uh, like so we're all like these strategy games were when I was like playing games on the computer in the 90s I was playing like you know shooters and you know uh, uh, you know dark forces yeah. and you know doom and you know like all that kind of stuff and I knew like tangentially about all these other games like my brother had played a lot of Diablo uh, but uh, like I wasn't really into the strategy stuff so when he started playing um, uh, uh, Warcraft uh, Warcraft 2 Starcraft um, that's where I kind of got my introduction to kind of seeing what he was doing I'm like what is this and he's like oh you know it's, it's, it's this and it's like it's building and you gotta do this and you gotta do this and I just remember hearing like from his room like the sounds of like orcs and like you know like diff just different things like, like work complete work complete i'm like well like what are you doing just he's like oh i'm building stuff like don't worry about it yeah yeah a little bit of work the work is complete don't worry about it um so uh and then eventually um he uh he started playing other stuff uh he like eventually just moved on to like everquest and like stopped playing strategy stuff but when i started working at babbage's that's when the guys kind of like that I was building my computer to play Counter-Strike, they were like, you know, we get, there's a lot of great old strategy games um, that you maybe, like, you know, missed, you know, because you were just doing shooters. So when I started working there, um, one of the ones that uh, they had me go back to and try was Age of Empires 2. Oh, that's another um, one I totally forgot So I played a bit yeah. of Age of Empires. Really yep, so I played played age of empire and then speak you guys were speaking before about like oh you know kind of ebbs and flows and you know like somebody will like revive like a big one age of empires 4 came out like in october like just this past october i don't know if it made a big splash maybe it. it did in the rts community uh but yeah it was it was it was announced it was you know one of those things that they probably announced it at a pc you know event because it's on pc and not on console um but yeah i I, like one of my biggest blind spots in PC RTS is Command and Conquer. 
I've never played a Command and Conquer game. Oh wow! Um, okay. I've played um, some of the newer ones, like there's Company of Heroes, um, which is a, a RTS uh, kind of like there's like that big span of World War Two um, themed games. Um, you know, Day of Defeat. Uh, you know, before the Call of Duties, even there was a lot of World War Two um, content in the in the gaming world. And Company of Heroes um, was is a like a World War Two uh, strategy game, and Company of Heroes Two, same thing. Played quite a bit of that. Um, I didn't play um, StarCraft, Warcraft. That was all just like you know, seeing seeing what was being played. So it was probably like the first thing I actually played was probably Age of Empires. But the first one that I really really got into and played over and over again. Uh, was actually an RTS, uh, not a turn-based. This was uh, Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle-Earth 1. Uh, I've mentioned on the show before, I absolutely love this game. Um, it's terrific, it's phenomenal. Since I don't have a ton of other RTS experience, um, I don't know how well it compares to a lot of the other stuff that's kind of themed similarly, because the other RTS I've played is kind of like, you know, with the company here as being like war-themed. It's It doesn't have that same kind of like, you know, not D and D, but like that same kind of like fantastical, you know, like a mythical, um, you know, with with mythical beasts and you know, like elves and kind of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Battle for Middle Earth is phenomenal. Uh, I wish I could still reliably find a way to play it. It hasn't uh, uh, the compatibility uh, has not been easy with the upgrades uh, to Windows 10 and I'm sure now 11 which I'm not on yet but if I could uh, find a little box to play uh, you know whether it's logical or physical or whatever find a little box to play uh, Battle for Middle Earth that would be an amazing thing to get running on the Steam Deck if I could figure it out Is it a Windows game? Yes it came out in 04 I want to say so uh, so yeah it's Windows Might try and see if Wine wine supports it Who knows? Yeah look into it Cool. So, um, on my end, um, I think probably the first strategy game I think I would, uh, that kind of rings that bell for me was, I remember playing Desert Commander on the NES. And that, you know, it's a pretty simplistic strategy kind of game, but I think it's probably like the first exposure that I can think of to that kind of game and i enjoyed it i played a lot of desert commander for a while and um you know i didn't really kind of understand the genre at the time but once i i managed to pick up uh shining force for mm. the genesis and once i played that then i knew okay yeah this is for me mm. um because I I played like the original Shining in the Darkness, which is a completely different kind of game, and so I'm like, oh, okay, well it's the next one of these sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I'll buy this and try it, and of course it's completely different. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I I loved that game, and of course went on to pick up Shining Force Two and everything else. But half um, of Shining Force Three, that was to me half of Shining Force Three. What's that? Or a third of it? Yeah, well, <laughs> like the third ish that we got. Yeah, sure. Um, to me, like that really set it off. I was like, okay, this is a genre that I really enjoy, and I kept picking up those kind of titles as I went forward. So, um, you know, I, I played those on on the Genesis. Um, I ended up playing um, 
like there was a couple of them that were like Mistara uh, on the Saturn and um, like uh, Vandal Hearts on on the PlayStation and uh, you know obviously like Final Fantasy Tactics which to me like I know everybody loves Final Fantasy Tactics that one's almost a little too I dense agree. for me um, it's just it's man Final Fantasy Tactics is really heavy and you gotta dedicate time like to stop and think and really boy you gotta get into that one cause there's like people have like star signs and I mean there's all kinds of crazy stuff that's going on in that that game but um, yeah and then you know continuing on whenever I see things like this I'm like okay you know like we've been talking about triangle strategy whenever they seem to hit yeah, RTS, I gotta be honest, I think the only one I've ever played is, is Command and Conquer. Um, not that I didn't enjoy it, it's just not something that I was like, oh man, yeah, I gotta keep going back to this well. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got started with it. So, moving over, Bill, you talked about likes and dislikes, so I'm, I'm gonna start with you then, because it seems like you've got some thoughts in your head. So, mm-hmm. let's, and the strategy on, or what are some, some likes and dislikes for you? So it's, it's almost like, so like you said before, um, there needs to be some sort of conflict, some sort of challenge, something you're overcoming, some obstacle you're figuring out, whether it's mental, whether it's diplomacy, whether it's, you know, figuring out how to get some, some, you know, like minor resource, like, you know, get your armies, like there's, there's, there's gotta be some reason for you to be doing it. And, you know, so I, I get that. It can't just be like a no conflict uh, type thing, but I don't like the, like, so I'll, so take like the, uh, even though we said like Civ is kind of its own thing. So I'll take like the way I feel when I'm playing Civ. So when I start Civ and it's just like me and my capital city and like, you know, like I got a settler, I got a worker. So I'm going to put them over here. I'm going to farm this land. Uh, okay, great. And then I'm going to expand this border and we're going to research this. And like, now we can do this and we go over here like that is enough for me like it's just comforting to do these things it's like reading a book i'm learning about like this civilization and then like there's barbarians that happen and i'm like okay well i mean like i don't like it but like i understand you know this is unsettled land there's people here we won't get into the uh uh you know the politics of like you know us killing people on their native land but like okay i guess this is what we're doing now so you do that and then you know like the civilization gets bigger and it's like okay like and then as soon as i start like butting heads with a neighboring civilization and like they're trying to take land that i want to get and like no you can't come through my borders and like these are my horsemen and stuff like that that's where i always kind of like lose a little bit of my momentum where i'm like you know i really wish it was just me alone in this world and like what i always hear about that is yeah but like you know, then there's there's no conflict there's nothing to overcome there's, and it's like that's okay that's totally fine i just want to continue down this road and just see, okay like there's there's a resource here i'm going to figure out how to mine it right so you want like a yeah, sim city version yeah, of kind of yeah i just want a i just want i just want a peaceful exactly like a hundred percent peaceful and it's like remove the uh, the the war like uh, the 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 conflict portion of like Civ. And I know there are, there are simulations that do that. Like there's Anno, 
uh, city builder um, or city simulation. There's like there's cities yeah. skyline, like there's ones that do it. But like so like but just to kind of compare like I it's to me it's always when that conflict happens where I'm like oh like I wish that that just wasn't there. Um, so that's one of them. Another big one is I'm a big big fan of the XCOM Enemy Unknown uh, games um, that were on the, the 360 PS3 generation. I own XCOM 2. I haven't played it yet. I have it on. It's uh, good. I have it on the uh, um, uh, Epic Game Store. I have installed it on the Steam Deck, so that's something I plan on playing. Hear great things about it, so I'm looking forward to it. I remember originally it was PC exclusive, and it's it's also come to console uh, uh, since then, I believe. <laughs> Um, yep. But one of the things that really bugs me about that game, and I know it's like it's to make the choice matter, right? It's to make that you're not just doing things willy nilly. The permadeath uh, is so stressful. Oh. Per- yeah. The permadeath is stressful. Um, also, the um, the uh, being in a in a scenario and really choosing very carefully. I'm gonna go over here. But like having like someone who either was like outside of your field of vision who you couldn't have seen, like you make a move and it's like, oh, guess what? There were like four like other dudes over there and like that guy's definitely dead. It's like, you know, like what could I have done? And then the other one is uh, when like your your actions have like chance to hit. So like you're really planning your actions as, as good as you can. And it's like, all right, like here we go. And then. Pow, 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 pow. Miss. Like, <laughs> no. It feel good when you have like a 14% chance and you're like, I'm going to lose everything unless I make this shot. And you make that shot. <laughs> I don't know if I, uh, I think the game is programmed. It's got a little webcam action and it's like, yes, yeah, this is Bill. We're not giving uh. him that 14% shot. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I don't, I can't think of a time where I was like, nailed it like it's always like didn't nail it and now i lost my guy who i loved because i named him and i gave him like a flag and like a body type and like all this other like customization um so like and, and i get it like because i so i haven't been i haven't had that feeling in uh XCOM per se but I've definitely had it in vats in fallout 3 where it's like ooh, i wonder oh okay but the other thing too is like if your VAT shot misses, it's like, well, I'm still, you know, I'm still playing a game. You know, it's still a first or third person game and I can just continue the combat. But that feeling when you like pull the trigger on like a 10% chance in VATs and the game switches to that, like, you know, that like that kill cam view where like, you know, like it's following the bullet. So before it even gets there, you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's going to get him. So, yeah, I've definitely had that feeling, just maybe not in uh, XCOM. But yeah, that's that's the feeling that stops me from booting up XCOM is like getting to that level and like having that bad experience and then just getting frustrated and shutting it off and then just seeing it in my library again and being like, oh, maybe I should. No, it's just going to make me upset again, you know. So it and then the other thing I know and I know this is really, really, really small and petty and it shouldn't matter. Uh, XCOM is like at the very bottom of my game list. Just alphabetically. I don't even make it down that far. Like if like so, okay, well Destiny's right up top, so like I always see it very early. 
you know, bio. It's supposed to be a very PC bastard. problem. Yeah, but like, so <laughs> what I what I really should do, so that's what I, I I've started doing is like stuff that I'm playing I favorite, and in Steam your favorites are just at the top of whatever list before they go down there. So, so yeah, that's uh, um, so the, some of the other things I dislike about the uh, uh, the real time is that feeling where like especially when you're new at a game and like you're trying to get better and you and you really think you're doing some good things and then you like you said Kelsey with uh, uh you feel that uncertainty in the multiplayer portion of things but like not so much in the single player i usually feel pretty good in the single player if i have like some idea of what i'm supposed to be doing or what the objective is but when you get into a multiplayer situation and then you feel pretty good you feel pretty good and then like you start like moving and then you realize how much farther ahead everybody else oh, is man. in this game and then you're like yeah well, you send I'm a little dead. scout out to I like guess. see what's I mean, going on just... and you're like oh my god my game is over even though it's not going to be over for 40 yeah. minutes like yeah that's disheartening yep it's like oh should i just go now because i'm going to be the joke but like you know you keep playing because you're there with friends and it's good um and the last thing i'll mention just to uh you know continue to make an effort to keep it somewhat brief is um when i am uh playing something real time where i don't feel like i have any warning of what was going to happen and i feel like i wouldn't have been able to uh, uh overcome that obstacle like had i not known this happens to me a lot in Homeworld Remastered Collection, which came out for Steam. Uh, it was very, very good uh, remastered collection of the Homeworld games after Gearbox picked them up. It's like a 3D space um, uh, RTS um, type game. So where you're, and it's really cool because a lot of RTS is two-dimensional, like isometric. Even if you can like, you know, circle around it, you're still just dealing with like, you know, like ground and like maybe some air units. So Homeworld being like full 360, it adds that like extra element of like, you're not just taking these guys and go over here. You can take these guys and have them like swoop under, you know, and like come up like this way while having other guys come over here. And like, so it opens up a lot of possibilities, but everything in Homeworld, it's similar to TIE Fighter and X-Wing in those games where like every like missions, like a scenario but I feel like in X-Wing and TIE Fighter, you know, they're, they're played out really well, almost like radio dramas where they're like, oh, like, we got to inspect these cargo ships, you know, before they escape. And then you inspect them and it's like, okay, like, TIE Fighters coming in, like, 3 o'clock. It's like, all right. And then you can break off and you can shoot those TIE Fighters. I feel like there's some strategy games, especially Homeworlds, where things will happen where it's like, as soon as you find out it's happening, it's like, okay, like, these guys have just showed up. And you're like, dude, I, I, didn't, I didn't build nine ion cannons like i can't disable them they're going to destroy me in like 30 seconds and then they do and now i have to play the entire level over again just knowing okay i gotta have nine ion cannons or else it's not going to work so homeworld i found i was playing every level at least twice like once just to see what happens and then oh i can't do this and then i have to play it again knowing what happens so I don't know if that's a common thing or if it's just me being bad at the game telegraphing what it's going to be doing for me, but it is it is frustrating to know that I have to play every level, you know, multiple times that I, I can't be good enough at the game just to get through it. That's it's funny that you mentioned permadeath. I said I, I sent a tweet out the other day and I said you know, game, words and games that make you say nope and uh, two for me were permadeath and uh, and roguelike. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. Um, 
Everybody has their own things, and to me, yeah, I would agree with you. Permadeath almost almost turned me off of Hellblade, uh, but as most people probably know by now, that was a bluff. (laughs) So uh, that, uh, if you remember where it was like, oh, like every time you fall in combat, like the the infection kind of grows on you, and if it reaches your brain, like you die and like your save is going to be deleted. I was like, man. So I was playing on easy. So I was like, no big deal. I'll get through it. And then, you know, it gets a little bit harder later on. Like you fall a few times and you see the thing kind of growing. And it's like, man, oh, man. So you find out that that was just to make you feel the way that they wanted you to feel. And you could die a million times and it wasn't deleting your save file. But, yeah, it's it's not a feeling that makes me feel good, even though I know the reason they, they want me to know how much the decisions matter. Yeah, I'm very proud how about you, Kelsey. <laughs> well, I had to actually like rewire my brain to play triangle strategy because I was going at it at first like from a fire emblem perspective where there was permadeath. So I would lose a character and I would mm. pause the game like just instinctively because I was like, oh, I got to restart now. And then I'd have to stop myself. I'm like, I don't need to restart. This character will be back the next round. I can keep going. And that took me a long time to get used to. Uh, but for likes and dislikes, um, I really only have one dislike. And I'll use Fire Emblem again as an example here. Uh, so the first handful of Fire Emblem games I love. Uh, and then Awakening came out. And that was, at that point, the most successful Fire Emblem game. It kind of broke through where the other ones didn't. Uh, and it added a few things that everyone else seemed to like for the series, but I don't. Uh, and that is also something Triangle Strategy did, was add filler missions in between the main missions. I hate that in Mm. tactic games. I don't want to grind. I just want to move to the next story point. I want to move to the next mission. I want, like it's called strategy. So I like having a finite amount of resources and not to be able to keep building on them when I want to. I like to just go in with what the games give me, figure out a way to do it. Even if that means a couple deaths or a couple retries, I kind of like having that puzzle to solve instead of just being able to go Mm. spend some time to brute force my way through it if i can't figure it out uh another yeah. so so just so just so just a question as an example um have you played uh, uh the xcom and the unknown XCOMs, no okay so so just the way it works is like there'll be main story missions and then you also have this like kind of like global monitoring system that's like if any aliens do anything like we're gonna let you know about it so like what'll happen is like you'll get like a little whoop whoop and it's like ooh, we got you know like there's like a thing happening in india and there's a thing happening in the uk like which one of them do you want to help if you help these guys you could get some more fuel if you help these guys you get some more science so like does that since that's like a strategy decision does, is that like what you're talking about or like you count that as like oh like a side grindy mission like you don't yeah, want that yeah that, you just that sounds like how they do it in fire emblem because like you you can go right to the next main mission mm-hmm. but then they have these like little uh on the map like in between the missions like just other armies that are building up so you can go like quell these little resistances and stuff and so they, they make sense like story-wise mm-hmm. but they just add this mm-hmm. element to the game that i think really slows down the pacing and it's just like I, I can't wait for them to be over. Like I just I don't want to be there. I'm just doing them because I have to <laughs> get on to the part I want to get to. Another good example is the Disgaea games. Uh, I really really like the first two Disgaea games, and they have all the same features that the later ones have. Uh, but so so there's this thing called the item world. So any item 
at all in Disgaea. It's a belt, a weapon, like whatever. You can go into that thing and there's an item world and you can like grind out levels, uh, like hundreds and hundreds of them if you want to, to increase the, uh, the abilities that this item has. And I, I hate that. Like it's so boring and monotonous and you can do it for <laughs> literally any item in the game. So there's endless amounts of levels for people that like that kind of stuff. I could ignore it in 1 and 2 and still beat the game with what it provided me. But when I tried to play 3, mm. it was very obvious that I could not play that way anymore. I needed to go into these item worlds and spend time. Mm. And so I dropped the whole series at that point because I just couldn't invest. Like, wow. like people that like when I play a game, like especially an RPG or strategy game, you know, 40 to 60 hours is, is great. I'm done. That's a good amount. If you're going to ask more than me, more than 60 hours, like you better be something really special. People that beat the Disgaea games typically have like four to 500 hours in them because they are spending that time in the item worlds. And I, I can't invest that in one game, so I've just dropped the whole series because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I didn't realize I didn't realize there were that many. I just like pulled it up on the side here. Like, right now I. Uh, yes, six yeah. came out yeah. in twenty one. Yeah, yeah, they're super funny. The writing is hilarious. The whole concept is is really uh, fun and like, yeah, I should probably just YouTube the story sometime because I do enjoy that part of them. Mm. Um, and as for likes, I think my favorite thing is mm. like I mentioned earlier in RTS, it's when you just have this swarm of an army that just like mm. rolls over something, anything. It can be just like you're just wandering out in the bushes <laughs> and you find like a barbarian like Bill was talking about but you have like 50 barbarians so you just like mow them over like that's a very satisfying feeling to just be over prepared for whatever mm-hmm. you're taking on so um, so I've already talked about not liking permadeath and I'll be honest if, if a game's going to throw permadeath at me I'm just nope it's going to nope out um, for the most part I guess I played XCOM Right, but I'll be honest. Even though there's permadeath there, I don't think I hardly ever lost anybody. Um, if you're, but then again, I'm a very methodical player, right? I I'm, I don't put people in crazy risks, right? I like to be strategic and you know pad it out. And okay, I'm really going to think about this. And, um, and 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 to 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 be fair, it could be my fault. You know, where I'm putting myself in these situations because one of the things XCOM tries to teach you very, very early is there's no such thing as a uh, like a throwaway move. It's like even if it's like the first move in the scenario or whatever, it's like you could very early put yourself in a position where it's like, oh, crap, there's like nine guys on the other side of that bus restart. Like now I know that. But you need to think about that every single move you make. Um, And uh yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's there's something different about the atmosphere in that game that makes me, like, uncomfortable. Okay. Um, you know, dislikes to me on those kind of games are c- kind of like what you talked about, Bill, where they're just things you could not have known, right? They'll just throw, sometimes you just get some dumb thing that and you're like, that's come on man that's just dumb and that'll make you like okay well i guess i have to go back and restart this battle because i didn't know about this dumb thing that they were gonna throw at me um 
you know, if it's my fault, I get it, right? Like I said, like that earlier, talking about that triangle strategy mission where, like, I got wiped out, and, well, my strategy was bad, right? I mean, I deserved that. It wasn't that the game pulled some kind of weird thing out. I just didn't get it the first time. Um, but, yeah, sometimes I know those games like to take cheap shots sometimes, and you're like, no, no, no thanks. Likes, though, for me, I like when a game rewards me for really understanding its mechanics and implementing them very well, right? Like, like um, to the roofs. Like I was just talking about, like, right? Right, exactly. Like, a situation like that where it you can take a character that otherwise might be problematic, but if you use it the right way, can just decimate, right? But it takes it's not just two-dimensional thinking, right? You have to put several pieces together and use them in imaginative ways to to really be able to do that. I like games that reward that kind of thought, right? That I really have a... This, this is my strategy, and if I put this into play in this way, it's going to pay off. Because um, that's the idea, right? That's, that's the whole point to me of strategy is... I, I should be able to think my way through the problems uh, and solve them that way. And I like that. Like ones that give me varied, varied situations, right? There's like playing triangle strategy. Like there's somewhere, okay, the best scenario in this case is pull all my forces back tight, keep my tanks up front, keep my, you know, other folks in the rear that can do rain shots and just, fend them off and let them come to me and wipe them out that way and there's other times where it's like nope you got to go out and you got to make this work because you don't have time or something else is going to happen so i like it when they force me to think and i can't just repeat the same strategy over and over i really don't like that strategy where you could just use the same stupid trick over and over and over again that's boring i don't want it so um i like it when they can throw different and that's a lot of games do that, but Triangle Strategy did a great job of that. They kept throwing different things. I know the mock battles weren't your thing, Kelsey, but I like the gameplay part. I like that. So the mock battles always at least took the time to put you in a different place. And like, okay, here's the situation you've got to figure way, your way out of. And you had to use well, those resources plus, at hand to make that uh, There work. are a whole bunch of new mock battles that open up as well. That go like, because like, the level oh, okay, cap cool. is level 50. And then, so the the more leveled up you are, the more mock battles it opens. So there's some pretty intense ones uh, at the end if you want to go that far. Okay, yeah, because I like I like that piece of it, right? I like the gameplay. Uh, that's usually why I play games. I mean, the stories are good too, but if the gameplay's not there, I don't care. So, um, so yeah, all right. Um, so I, I know we don't have an unending amounts of time. You know, we're starting to run lean. So I wanted to just give each of you a moment to talk, like pick one favorite strategy game and give us just why why is that your favorite? Why do you why do you want to talk about that one? So Kelsey, tell me. Favorite strategy game. That was really why is hard that the to favorite? Down. So I'll do a quick shout out to Valkyria Chronicles, Shimagami Tensei, Devil Survivor, and Pikmin. I don't have time to talk about you three, but I love you guys. We're going to talk about Project Cross <laughs> 1 or 2 for the 3DS. 
I mentioned them before, but I, oh, okay. I love these games. The stories are absolutely ridiculous fan service. It's it's like this multiverse concept where like Capcom characters are interacting with Bandai characters, interacting with Sega characters, the odd Nintendo character shows up in there. And they're just, they're silly. They don't take themselves serious. Even though some of the characters from those games are deadly serious, that makes it even funnier sometimes. Uh, so I just, I just want to go through a few of the series that are in these games. So, so just in Project Cross Zone 2, you have characters from Tekken, Dot Hack, Tales of Vesperia, God Eater, Xenosaga, Xenoblade Chronicles, Resident Evil, Street Fighter, Darkstalkers, Devil May Cry, Mega Man X, Strider, Shinobi, Virtua Fighter, uh, Sakura Wars, Yakuza, Fire Emblem, Soul Calibur, uh, Captain Commando's in there, Sagata Sanchiro is in there, uh, the Streets of Rage characters, Space Channel 5 characters, Shenmue characters. I skimmed over a bunch, but there, there's like just a ridiculous amount of characters. So the battles near the end of the game get huge, and and typically your, your characters come in two at a time, and then later in the game, you start getting single characters, and you can pick who the single characters match up with. So you can put, uh, you know, you've got two Tekken characters, you can throw a Street Fighter character in with them, or you can throw Captain Commando in with them, or uh, Ooh La La from Space Channel 5, or like however you want to do it. And it's, it's really simplistic. It's not hard to wrap your head around. It's not as complex as even like Triangle Strategy. Uh, you basically just move your characters on the grid, and then when you get into the battles, uh, they switch to this like 2D side-scrolly, kind of looks like Street Fighter setup. And you do these insane combos that end up being like two to 600 hits. Uh, they're just wild and they're using all their special moves from every game. And they've got this insane soundtrack that's just got like the best two or three tracks from every series that's represented there. So the whole soundtrack's fantastic. Uh, you get to deal with bad guys from every single one of these games too. They're all, you know, sucked into the same universe, their multiverse kind of thing. Uh, it's not the most tactical game, but it is the most fun I've ever had with a strategy game because it is so off the wall and wild and it's not super challenging, but it's just challenging enough that it keeps you on your toes and you can't uh, play it safe. Uh, so if you have a 3DS you like tactics games, or you just like, like gaming, like in general, it's, it's a cool fan service game. Um, it, it's probably a good gateway strategy game, honestly, because it's not too complex, it's not too hard to wrap your head around. I think it'll be a lot of fun and teach you the fundamentals of uh, strategy. Awesome. All right. Very good. I hadn't thought about that, but I remember like that one time you came over and you, you had the, you were yeah, playing like Project Cross Zone. Uh, at that time, yeah. So, Bill, uh, a fave, and why? Yeah. Um. Uh, again, um. I didn't think that Civ really fit like the you know the mold of what we were talking about with like, as far as like strategy, even though like they're strategy adjacent. But uh, just wanted to shout out. Um. Civ Five is my major introduction to the series. Civ Six is awesome. Uh, Beyond Earth was a pleasant surprise when it was announced, and it was really really good game to play. Um, uh, so yeah, they're, they're ones that I, I still enjoy, but it's one I've mentioned before. Um, it's one I've, I've talked about, uh, even, you know, earlier this evening. Um, there's just something special about Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle Earth for me. 
and it's one of these kind of fan favorite games that like uh, uh, it kind of it kind of it came out and you know to be to be you know fair and honest um, I was an enormous fan of the films um, I had never read the books um, after seeing the films I read the books um, they're they're just terrific um, I really really still love that original um, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the Hobbit movies are okay, but it's the Lord of the Rings trilogy for me that like really, really does it. And licensed movie games are kind of hit and miss. Like there are some that are that are just phenomenally great, and there are a lot that are you can tell are rushed because they know they can capitalize on the popularity of the movie if they can just get a game out real quick within the same three month period or whatever. Um, so we've, we've all played good ones. We've all played bad ones. Um, you, you could tell that this is one that was uh, a lot of attention was paid to detail, uh, which is one of the best things about the films as well. Like no, no piece of craftsmanship or artisanry in the film was rushed. Like everything was had careful attention paid to it. So I love, uh, just the, the look of the units in the game. Um, the, the, the voices, like the, the, you know, when you call the Rohirrim in, you hear, you know, the same sounds that you do in the movie. Like, you like some of the music comes in, like, not when you call just a few of them, but when you call, like, a bunch of Rohirrim, you kind of hear the da-da-da-da-da-da. And, like, you just kind of feel like you're, like, in that army. And um, also, like, I, I'm, I'm kind of... I go kind of back and forth between, you know, do I want the game to be, like, the same thing as the movie... Or do I want it to be like a separate thing, like maybe like an adjacent story? Like I, because sometimes it's like, oh, well, I I know this story. I'd like something else. I really, really, really like that this game essentially follows most of the major battles in the movie because I get to control an army at Helm's Deep, right? Like I get to like have the battle at the Black Gate. I get to you know defend, uh, you know uh, the the. Uh, the king's uh, or sorry uh, like i get to defend the the gate at gondor right like all these different uh, cool parts of the movie um and i don't think i've mentioned this before but when you start the game you get a choice if you want to be the good side or if you want to be the evil side so you can play either one which uh, is really really cool and it's not just a, like the same map like flipped over um, like there's different voicings, there's different kind of, you know, like story, uh, beats and elements that go in there. Um, it's, it's not overly complex. So, you know, anyone new to the genre could, uh, would be able to, uh, to kind of understand what's going on here. Very simple as far as, you know, units getting XP, upgrading units, um, you know, like buying new units, like once you're able to, um, I've, I have played battle for middle earth two, and a lot of people really, really like it. It, for me, it adds elements that take away from my enjoyment of the game. Um, specifically being, um, like, like base building is a big thing in part two. Um, so if you like that, great. But, like, I very much equate it to, like, the change in Fallout 4 when they added, like, all that, like, base building customization stuff. And it's, like, on paper, it's, like, look at all this cool stuff you get to do. And it's, like... I guess it's cool if I wanted to make a base and make it look like Mega Man. Like, it's cool that I can do that. But then in practice, it was, like, so complicated and just extra resources and extra time. And at the end of it, what do I get? Oh, nothing really. It just looks different now. So it's like, base building was that for me. It's like, 
I I could have not done all this stuff in the first game and like had all the benefits. Like why why are we doing this? So um so yeah um, but yeah I it's it's a great game. Um I, I mentioned earlier that uh, it's it's a diff it's I've had difficulty in the past getting it to run even like following tutorials. Um, just uh, um, after you mentioned wine, Chris, I just thought I'd give it a quick search and see like how are people trying to play Battle for Middle Earth now. So BFME2.com, uh, which the fans have picked up, have a little wiki on how to download and install Battle for Middle Earth 1 or 2 with detailed instructions here. So I will give this a try and I will get back to you guys and see uh, if it works. I don't have to download and install. I can just take my disc and uh, uh, I will have to hook up my <laughs> external uh, DVD-ROM because my computer doesn't have a uh, an optical uh, media reader. But uh, I do still have my discs. So, so can you plug USB dri- like drives into your Steam Deck? Could you put a an external? So here's the thing: you can but it doesn't have a USB port, so I'll just have to do the one additional step of plugging Uh, in my USB-C dock to my Steam Deck, and then the USB drive to the dock, and then yes, it will will do that. So I will report report back. Rip your own own disc. But yeah, and and another thing I'll say about it, it's not like, you know, it's not something you have to expect to put, you know, like, 20 or 30 or 40 hours into like you can like a, a, a you know competent player who is paying attention and can pick up the systems can probably finish this campaign in you know two or three sittings it's so it's not so much like the volume of content it's just how enjoyable and how well it's presented and uh, and how much Plus fun i get out of it so if you're a lord of the rings fan highly recommend side. That actually yeah. sounds really rad. I think uh, if Good I can get bad. my old PC up and running, yeah. um, I might keep a lookout for that because it sound kind of reminds me of Galactic Battlegrounds, but like better in some ways. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, I just I I have such great memories of it, and it was kind of on a whim. I grabbed it, and like I remember telling, I was like this game is so good. Like, does anyone else know about this? And then I kind of look, checked, uh, you know, like online. It's like, Oh yeah, there's, there's a little, you know, like a dedicated fan base that, you know, keeps it going. And they, they have like a, I never got into the multiplayer side, but they do multiplayer and, you know, a battle for middle earth too as well. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's just great. I just, I love this game. Cool. So for me, I thought about this a lot and I think I'm just gonna have to go right now. I think Triangle wow. Strategy is my is my favorite right now. Yeah, because um, I you know I thought about like okay well, because I, I thought well is this just because I'm playing it right now? But I went back and I'm like okay well I mean the other games that are like this I enjoyed them but they were more simplistic right like you play a Vandal Hearts you play a Shining Force they're very linear linear right. Um, you play through the story, you do your thing, and that's fine the way they go. And this one really gives you a lot more out of that. Like so those mock battles, I know they're not your thing, but like for me, some of them I played quite a few times. I'm like, okay, well I can grind up and I can buy like more rings or things for my guys, or I can get more of the you know like the materials that you need to upgrade these things, and I want to unlock you know whatever this stuff is for this character. 
Um, as I mentioned before, the the storyline was really unlike anything else that I've seen in a strategy game. I mean, the whole idea of this branching paths and then consistently not... Like, J, Japanese games, like JRPGs, which is kind of, you know, what I think of in this style, they always have, like, these really, you know, these <laughs> stories that you just, you know where they're going every time, right? And you're like, okay, here's the guy with amnesia. He's going <laughs> to save the world. He's going to kill God at the end. And the world will be awesome. I, I meant to mention that when I was talking Final Fantasy. I was like, man, amnesia. There's amnesias all over this game. <laughs> Everybody's got amnesia. I don't know why that is. Oh, yeah. So we don't have to tell you the backstory right now. Well, you can find out later with the character. Um but like this game, you know, I I just finished my first round. My main guy died. He's dead. He didn't make it. <laughs> At the end, I'm like, wait, what? Wait, he he's dead. <laughs> what the heck happened? I'm like, I picked the good path, and he's dead. Apparently, not the best path. But I thought like, no, like, I played through the game and I made the choices I thought were the right choices to make. <laughs> and apparently they weren't because things just didn't work out like that. And I was surprised. Um, in a lot of instances, it wasn't just once. There was a lot of these times where I'm like, well, crap. <laughs> you just like, dang it. I thought that really would have been the right choice. And then, it's not like these JRPG things where it's like, oh, good. Like we, like you talked about, mm -hmm. like, oh, you'll just blue or red, mm -hmm. right? Like Paragon, Renegade. It isn't like that at all. And it's like um, a lot of political stuff, right? You don't know at a time if this is uh, always the best move. And, like, the people will tell you, right? Like, these options suck, but we have to make a choice. Yeah. Right, we we have to go one way or the other on this. This is where we're at, and this is the situation that we're in. And the people around you sometimes suck or backstab you, uh, or you think, okay, well, like the game led me to that. Like, okay, well, obviously from the very beginning, S Frost is the bad guy, and so I start going, okay, well then I'll just have to line up with the other country so we we can stand a chance against the big bad guy. And then I go off and do that stuff. No, they suck too. And in fact, you find out like they may suck worse <laughs> than than the other guy, like who you thought the big bad was. Yeah, I, I don't know. And and the battle system is really good. Like I said, I I only found like maybe one character that I thought like man, really super situational that I would use. Um, and pretty much all the rest of them, like, okay, I can find situations where these guys make sense. Or I would have a character, and I'm like, I don't really get what would make this character appealing. Mm -hmm. And then once I figured it out, I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. Like, a lot of these characters are built to work in tandem. Um, I'm really curious if you do new game plus right? like, that when you get Kohog, because he was 
really bizarre for a strategy game because like, he had all these time manipulation and like he can teleport players around and he can like freeze the battlefield and like it was really interesting stuff yeah oh that sounds cool yeah because um and i really like what even talk about it like this this quietus system that's in there so they give you kind of like a couple gimmies right where you can have a couple special abilities that like if you mess up right like one i used all the time is like restore where you can just like okay i go top this character off with health and and get rid of their status ailments because <laughs> what i just I put them in a bad spot right and i shouldn't have done that but they get they give me like an out you can't abuse it because you only get like certain so amount of these things one, that you can time, do so you can't so they, they weigh it enough. you just get one restore if i Right, and you only get so many points, period. So you can't just, I'm going to go bang down all of these. Like, you have to pick, you get to use, like, maybe two in a battle. Um, and they give you some flexibility. Like I said, there was just so many times where I would have a character, and I'm like, oh, man, but if I did this strategy, I could do this, right? Because I would, like, have, like, even some of the things. I was like, okay, well, there's, like, a... Uh, an item where okay well if I equip this item they don't gain TP like technique points or like what they need to do their special abilities but they're a lot stronger it's like why, why would I want to be able to do that well again like the Archibald right a lot of his situations are he's just standing up in the corner and firing his arrow and that's what you're doing if you get him in the right spot he doesn't need a lot else and so I was like, okay, well, I can throw this on him. And if I can get him in the right spot, he can just bang, bang, bang these guys out. And and again, like a character I thought at the beginning, like, this guy is trash. You end up finding, like, no, this is where this character shines. And I still have some new characters I got relatively late in the game. I'd like to find out how they shine. And I like that it gives you a reason to use every character in the game i i didn't find any that i just went like nope i'm never touching this guy again so um so yeah i think that's at least that i can think right now why it puts it at the top it's just it's got everything that i'm looking for in that kind of game and some things i didn't know i was looking for in that kind of game so i would i would highly recommend it if if that sounds like something that's up your alley something think if you haven't played it or seen it think uh looks like visually would be like a final fantasy tactics um kind of game but doesn't exactly play like i mean it has some similarities all those kind of games do but doesn't quite play like that and not nearly as annoyingly deep (laughs) as final fantasy tactics can be at times so good so let's wrap this up into closing thoughts um so you know I've talked about some of the things I enjoy. I like the genre. It doesn't mean I'm going to play these exclusively. That's not my thing, but I've enjoyed the time I've had with it. Um, so to round it out, Kelsey, what strategy games? Give me your take. Real quick before that, I think you should maybe visit Fire Emblem Three Houses. A lot of the things you like about Triangle Strategy are in that game too. And they dropped the permadeath as the default. Like The default is just a normal strategy game. In, in the newer Fire Emblems. 
but it has like side missions that you can level up and challenge you guys in. It's got a really political story. It's got three houses, like like just like triangle strategy, where there's an event in the middle of the game where allies become enemies, enemies become allies, kind of thing. Uh, it, yeah, it might be more up your alley than I thought it was before hearing how much you like triangle strategy. Okay, I'll check it out. Is it, tell me, it's not one of those annoying ones where I got to buy like two no, or three games did that to actually play the whole thing. learn their lesson. You just need the one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. I'll check um, that out. I, yeah, Thank I guess you. my only closing thought is I am very ready for a console RTS to like wow me again. Like I really liked Pikmin. Um, mm. Like uh, what was the uh, Platinum one? Wonderful One Hundred One. That was really fun. Uh, those were both. You know years ago now like i'm ready ready for another one on console to dig my teeth into we're like in a golden age of tactical like turn-based ones so i have no complaints there there's lots of good stuff to to dig into and to play uh, i'm really looking forward to playing devil survivor 2 because i love the first one so much uh so that's been high on my my need to buy list um but yeah get, get some more rts out there let's let's do it rts renaissance Cool. Bill, closing thoughts. Yeah, so um, there's been a handful of RT of sorry strategy um, and RTS um, that uh, I've been interested in playing over the years. I just never, you know, kind of like uh, uh, made the plunge and did it. Um, so I do own some uh, Command and Conquer games, uh, just in my big box PC collection. So I think that's what I'm gonna look at doing is is seeing if I can get some. Uh, experience with some of these ones were maybe in my blind spots um there's always those kind of fringe titles that like the ones we didn't mention but like have big fan bases like the like shogun total war and like a whole bunch of these uh you know kind of pc um uh, real time mostly and some turn-based strategy games that just have those small dedicated fan bases that are just ready for that like you know additional content to come out um, I, I know that, uh, especially you, Kelsey, you gravitate towards um, physical stuff over things that are just digital and download only. But uh, I just want to uh, put it out there that there are really, really good games uh, in the strategy um, genre that are most easily obtained digitally, like uh, FTL, Fashion and Light, hoping Limited and from Run the same, will do uh, people release of into those the two forever because I have heard tons of cool things about them, and I think they yeah. both be up my alley. Yeah, I've everything, you know, it's I I actually before I said that I like looked up to make sure I didn't miss a physical release announcement of those. But as, as far as I can tell, they, they haven't been on any kind of and the fact that FTL and Into the Breach are two of the biggest ones from the same uh, same guys, you would think Com- there'd be like a compilation maybe sweet, at yeah. some point. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. If you're not, uh, you know, opposed to grabbing something downloadable, um, FTL's been around forever. You can probably find it for a few bucks on Steam, or maybe um, you know a little bit more than that on Switch. But uh, Into the Breach, I think, is only a fifteen dollar game, full price, and that goes on sale now and then. So, uh, Into the Breach is kind of that standard, like isometric uh, uh, look that a lot of um, you know uh, strategy games from that. 16 and 32-bit era have where you're uh, it's a relatively small battlefield um, and it does a really really good job of teaching you the game early on and 
I, I think I've mentioned this game before, Chris, and you were kind of like uh, when those elements come up where it's like, oh, wait, it's got that. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> but uh, they have they, they've they've tried to, you know, explain to people like, you know, like we've adjusted it where it's not like full on rogue or like full on um, uh, what's the words I'm looking for. It's not procedurally generated. Um, it's, uh, you know, so they've actually kind of fought the, uh, uh, not the, the they, they've, they fought the ideas that their games have things in them that they don't. So, um, it, it, it does have this element of changing up, uh, future playthroughs because like you know, there's different, like, you know, like continents that you have to kind of go fight on. And like, basically the roguelike element is, you know, on this playthrough, uh, you know, this thing is happening. So, you know, this attack has this additional effect, you know, almost like Hades, right? Where like, like different things will happen on different playthroughs that just like, you have to like, just slightly tweak your play style. So that's like kind of like the roguelike piece of it. Um, but yeah, Into the Breach is awesome. Um, it's, I first got it on Switch. I also own it on the Epic Game Store. Um, FTL is just, it takes a little bit to kind of get, uh, get it down to get what's going on and the fact that it's real time you have to have a really you know, like firm grasp on the the what the situation is and what you think is the best uh, you know thing to do because basically you're trying to repair your ship while pieces of it are like failing and falling apart like while you're attempting to go faster than light um, there's more to it than that, but that's like a good introduction as far as like, uh, you know, like what the game is. Um, imagine like being on the Millennium Falcon in Empire Strikes Back <laughs> when like the hyperdrive's not working, but like the Empire's on your tail. It's that the game. Um, so uh, it's, it's really, really cool and interesting. And uh, yeah, I would just encourage people to give those little um you know maybe uh download only strategy games a go if you think it might be up your alley and then maybe that'll push you into something a little bit bigger like cities or uh uh roller coaster tycoon or <laughs> we're getting way far afield yeah. now um yeah, for me, this is a genre that I like. I don't yeah. think I could play it exclusively and I probably can't play these games back to back uh, I need a break uh, uh, when do something different, but I do enjoy them when I'm in the mood to play through them. So I really appreciate having good ones to go and to play. Um, so in wrapping up, um, number one, I'd like to thank our patrons very much for, for taking the time to do that. Those of you that would like to join us on Discord and uh, come chat about movies, and games that we're playing through and everything else uh, or just on patreon.com slash collectorcast uh, you can find me on twitter with the show's account at collectorcast uh, Kelsey how about you on your end Nothing anything new and uh, where do people uh, find you you can find me on twitter at Kelsey Fulmack very good Bill you uh, yep just trying to catch up on some sleep with my youngest getting up <laughs> earlier and earlier these days, but uh, when I'm awake, you find me on Twitter, Bill underscore McGee, and I've been trying to post a little bit more on Instagram uh, lately. Been having fun over there, so 
Uh, it's Wild Bill 52 on Instagram. So we'll see if I can. Oh, and some of the uh, uh, the graffiti art that I mentioned earlier in Greensboro. I posted some pics there if anyone's curious. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for taking the time to listen, and we'll catch you next time.